What's going on, folks? Welcome to another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kyle Maggio, joined by my co-host, Sean Geddes. We are without Don Mike Cortez again this week. Uh, he is still vacationing in Puerto Rico. Uh, well-deserved time off and time away from the New York Knicks. So I'm going to just lab it right to Sean to start it from the top. How are you feeling this Saturday morning, my guy? I'm feeling pretty great, which is, you know, a testament to my strengths because I am drained emotionally. Um, the Knicks are putting me through a lot. We've lost five out of our last six. I'm very sad. Uh, we can't get the rotations we want. Um, guys aren't bringing effort on a nightly basis. We've been down by 20 in every game except the San Antonio game for the past, like, two weeks. So the fact that I'm able to wake up with a smile a little bit, you know, it says a lot. How are you, bro? I mean, mostly the same way. Uh, I'm a little just confounded that, you know, I, I, you know I don't mind losing games. They, they were sort of a 500-ish team last year, so I, I didn't expect some, as you know, 50-win season. I wasn't there. Um, I, I expected them to, you know, kind of win one, lose one most of the year or somewhere close to that, hopefully string together a couple more victories than they have. So this is like, in terms of total results, like not far off from what I thought, but at the same time, it's just the way that they lose games is what frustrates me. Um, it's, it's, you know, last year when we lost games, right? But the common thing, despite our, you know, them breaking our expectations was, hey, even when they lose, they fight like hell. They're always in these games. They lose close ones. It happens. That's the NBA. And a lot of nights, even when they lost, uh, even if they lost a couple in the row, we never usually felt that bad, even with all the, Alfred stuff. We never really felt that bad because it was like, hey, I mean, they're right there most of the time, you know, a couple shots and they, they win that game. It was almost nothing to ever be upset about. But it feels like far too often this season, uh, they're, they're in some kind of a big hole, whether, you know, a lot of times it's starting the game out. And if it's not starting the game out, it's in the third quarter. And then they're always working out of it. So for me, that's sort of the disappointment is, uh, you know, th this shellacking that always happens in these losses or even in these wins and we got to climb all the way back, um, you know, and obviously to, you know, to, to 48 and Randall's points and some of these pressers, they have had big leads also in games and they've lost them. So it's a little bit frustrating that we're either down big or up big. And then we're, we're not getting the end result that we want and should be getting. And uh, for a team that was pretty well coached last year, had a pretty clear scheme, a pretty clear identity. It's a little frustrating to see that, you know, th there's not really many tactical adjustments being made aside from just whenever the bench minutes happen. Um, so, I, I mean, like last night, for example, they come out, they're down 30 to 10 in the first quarter. They're playing the Raptors in Toronto, right? RJ Barrett's got 1,000 plus friends and family and people in attendance. Um, and, and they come out and they're down 20 plus points. And you just can't start games that way, man. You just can't do that. And, you know, my, my big gripe is right now it, for the last couple of weeks has been the, the point of attack defense. And I know a lot of that got thrown on to Kemba and rightfully to a degree, 
Um, but there's two guards at the top and neither one of those guys are capable of playing defense. And, you know, we saw it in the Indiana game, but Duarte was just walking past Evan Fournier to the basket whenever he wanted to. Uh, last night, there's a lot of guards in Toronto that could do a lot of things. They cut a lot. They move a lot. It's a lot of quick hitting action. They're always trying to get to the basket. They're always working it in. And that was the, the difference in the beginning of the game was we were timid and settling, right? And the Raptors were at the rim. It seemed like every time you looked up, every time you blinked, Scotty Barnes, you know, Fred Van Vliet, Boucher's over there eating early. And it's just like, this is not what's supposed to be happening for a team that's supposed to be protecting the paint, right? But how can you protect the paint? If the guard, the opposing guards are always loose, you know, they are just gonna, they're just gonna get where they want. This is how the NBA works. Uh, so that, that was frustrating for me. And if you notice, everyone points to like the bench minutes. And normally uh, the thing that gets brought up is, well, Obi's in for Randall. Um, they've been going to Obi and Randall more the last couple games, uh, earlier in the games. It was the second quarter with the Pacers. Uh, we saw it early last night. We saw them go back to it again in the second half. So at least that's starting to build a little bit. But the biggest thing for me is when Evan 48 comes off the basketball court, uh, basketball court, we go on a run. Shocking, because you have capable guards on offense who can also defend. Uh, and I know Sean specifically wants to bring up Emmanuel quickly plays good defense. Nobody talks about it. Nobody Thank talks you. about it. Nobody talks about it. And I don't understand why nobody talks about it, because – people are so quick to speak on so many things. People are so many, so quick to speak on shortcomings, limitations. Oh, he'll never be a starter. Oh, he's Lou will blah, blah, whatever it may be. And it's just like, nah, like he's developed some as a playmaker, but defensively, I mean, especially last night, especially in that first half, Emmanuel quickly put on a defensive masterclass. Like one thing we struggle with in that Pacers game that Evan Fournier has struggled with all season and probably his whole career. I don't know. Didn't pay much attention before this. It, Evan Fournier plays screens so badly that it makes me think, damn, like maybe it's hard to get to a screen in the NBA. Maybe you just can't do it. Maybe it's not something you're supposed to do. Maybe defense is built on chasing screens because you chase the screen so often it doesn't look like you can get to them. Emmanuel quickly was through on-ball screens, off-ball screens. He had Gary Trent Jr. in jail. And not that Gary Trent Jr. is some elite scorer, but he shoots very well coming off screens. Like, that's his thing. And Emmanuel quickly was there every single time, hand up, great contest, had him coming off on his shots short, made it tough for him to get the ball. He's just really active at the point of attack and off the ball, plays the passing lanes well, as you said before he got started. Like, he's just a really, really, really – like, he's normally a good defender, but yesterday he was playing excellent defense. And I feel like things like that need to be spoken on. I think that – you know, I, I think that in a few different cases. I think that we're – you know, we're down the dumps. We've lost five or six. It's very unfortunate. It sucks. But it's just really annoying how, like, people only speak on – like, even with RJ yesterday, people were like, oh, like, you know, he missed everything at the basket, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it was frustrating. It's five for 16. It's not good. He needs to finish more. We know that we need him to finish better. He had a point earlier in the season when he was finishing well, not finishing as well lately. But I mean, down the stretch, RJ hit a huge, like we came out of a timeout and we were down by six with three minutes and 40 seconds left. And as we came back, I was like, this is where the game is going to happen right here. Like we're either going to lose and be done within the next 35 seconds or we're going to push back into it. RJ hits a big three at the end of the shot clock, goes baseline, gets that really high floater, goes on a 5 run, it's a one-point game. 
So it's just like, you know, that, and, and he had a stretch in the second quarter, I believe, where he was attacking, he was getting downhill. But people will skip the part that we, they can discuss about what can be developed on and built on, especially from our young players, and just criticize them and talk about what their shortcomings are. And I just don't get that because people don't do the same thing to, like, other guys. Like, Ali Burks last night had one point. He was over seven from the field. He played 36 minutes. And we stress all the time, you know, it's not about like, I personally, people are going to have off games. It's not like he does that every game. I'm not killing him for that. But in the night that he's got zero, the night that he's got one point, he can't play 36 minutes. He can't. RJ didn't even play. RJ played 30 minutes. I believe IQ had like 21 or something like that. So it's just like, you know, you had that guy out there for a, a lot and people don't really say anything about that. Derek Rose hasn't shot very well lately. I hope he gets back to shooting well. Um, but there's a lot of things that just go, you know, unsaid and it's strange, but I wanted to definitely champion the fact that a man who quickly plays great defense. And it's part of the reason that I really don't want to see Evan Fournier anymore, bro. I'm here again. I'm here. And I've tried not to be here, you know, after his couple of solid, all right games, I tried to be like, okay, let me get back on this train. And, you know, nah, bro, I can't do it. I really can't. I don't want to see Evan Fournier play basketball. I really don't want to see Nerlens Noel play basketball. Definitely not as a starter, especially on a team where Obi Toppin fails to get 20 minutes on most nights. Um, So things have to change, man. Like, things have to change. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's going to take. Contrary to you, I really did believe this team can win 50 games. And honestly, I'm stupid enough to still believe they can. Like, this team can still win 50 games, in my mind. They just have to make the right moves and play the right players. Like, at, we saw two different teams last night. Like, we, we got we saw a start off 30 to 10. It was awful. You tweeted about the panic. Like, everybody was like, you know, it was, a, it was a horrible feeling. And then all of a sudden, we came roaring back, and the energy were flying all around the place. Like, Obi made a huge difference out there. IQ makes a huge Play the players that make you the best team that you can be. It seems like such a simple concept. I don't get it. And then Tibbs Presser, you know, very rarely does Tibbs piss me off in his presser. Like, I'm very, very, very logic-based. As long as you make sense, I can rock with it. Even him pulling Obi last night, I didn't like it. I wouldn't have pulled Obi from out of the game, especially on a career night. But I understood that they went zone, and we kept spraying it out to that corner, and they were leaving Obi open. And he wasn't hitting it. So I knew that's why he made the sub. I was kind of scared while Obi was shooting. Because I was like, please hit one. Because if you don't, he's going to pull you. Because I remember when he did it for Kevin Knox recently. So he pulled Obi. But then, you know, Evan Fournier and Ali Brace come back in the game and do more of the nothing they did for the majority of the night. And it's just, we uh, lost that. Uh, we I, If Obi's on the floor, we get that rebound. On that last possession where uh, Gary Trent hit three. We get that rebound. They had four, they had like four opportunities at it in, in crunch time. I and and that's beyond like, you know, somebody was saying, Oh yeah, we went small, so there was nobody on the floor that they can get the rebound. Bullshit. <laughs> I, I wanna I wanna say something about that because everybody conflates that the rebounding stuff only has to do with the bigs on the floor. That that Randall wasn't fighting for a rebound or uh Mitch, Noel, whoever was on the floor wasn't fighting for a rebound. This is something that bothers me because it tells me when people don't know what they're watching sometimes those rebounds on that specific possession that you're talking about. And it's been an issue for them all season. That is on the guards. The guards have to secure long rebounds. And if you look whenever uh, a, a mystery happens for an opponent, our guards are never looking for the ball ever. I'm fine. If you need to get out and transition, send one guy, put another guy towards half court. I know how that goes, but at the end of the day, 
like no guards were looking for the ball. And it was all threes that were going up. It was rebound three, rebound three, rebound three. All those misses were long misses. All of them were coming out towards the free throw line, right? That is the guard's responsibility, like straight up. You should be in position from when you were playing defense to turn around and get that ball and go. And none of the, the guards were lost. And that's what bothers me too. You know, the, the rebounding has been an issue at times for everybody, not just saying it's only on the guards. But specifically, when we get bombed from deep every night uh, from opponents, right, there's going to be a lot of misses. And if we're getting killed on the boards as teams are launching endless amounts of threes, like, yeah, there's a lot of guards on our team that should be turning around and trying to get some of these boards, especially in a, in a position like that when the game's on the line in a one-possession game. you got to get the ball. You just got to. I, I don't know what, what you think you're doing, staying at home, waiting for a pass from the Raptors when they haven't even secured the ball yet, but you got to go get the ball. It's, it's very frustrating to me when, when we don't talk about that aspect of it. It's always like, Oh, and like, and I agree too. Like, yeah, if Obi was on the floor, maybe he gets one of them, right. One of those opportunities, but at the same time, like long rebounds are long rebounds. They're, they're an issue for a reason and guards got to go get them for a reason, like straight up, straight up. And the Rose thing too, you mentioned about not shooting well agree, but my bigger issue with Rose right now is he's making some shitty decisions. And he largely, since he got here, and again, I'm not crushing him because 98% of the time he's been here, 98% of his minutes have been really good on both sides of the ball. But like this last stretch, he's been really, really bad with just passing the basketball. He's throwing passes late. He's throwing passes into traffic. He's throwing like just really sloppy stuff that we're not used to seeing from him, at least in this tenure with us. So I still have confidence that he's going to be able to clean it up, but like it's bad. It's bad. I mean, we had a lot of turnovers last night, and that's not what you want, especially from, you know, a bench unit that's otherwise sharp and crisp most nights. So, I mean, to me, that's a little bit frustrating. And, and yeah, I mean, we didn't lose much going small last night. They fought back. They fought well. Uh, it wasn't just the offense, too. You know, the defense has been a big issue all season, but the, the Raptors scored 19, 21, and, like, 21 after the first quarter and the next three frames. So, they finished with, what, 89, 90 points? I mean, it wasn't a lot, right? So the defense was mostly pretty good after that first quarter. The issue was guys on offense, again, were not doing their jobs. Like, that's kind of what happens. Like, you can't get one point from starting guard Alec Burks. If Alec Burks has seven points, they win the game. Seven. Like, he just makes one three, a couple layups. They win the basketball game. You know, he... Julius had, I think, 13, 13, and like five or six or something like that. If Julius has 17 points, they probably win the basketball game. So it's like, at some point, you know, we got to just weigh things the right way. Like, they played a pretty good defensive game, mostly small balling it. Like, that was really it. They played a lot of, like, and it was a lot of OB and Randall. And, and now we can kind of get into the OB thing. But, you know, that, that's kind of what we wanted to see. We, we sort of have talked about we don't think there's going to be a defensive drop-off if you do that kind of a lineup and there wasn't last night and that's what the a team like the Raptors, the Raptors give us hell most of the time. They defend us really like they scheme against us extremely well and playing OB is sort of a way to kind of solve some of our problems. The Raptors have no problem zoning up against us. And most of the time that's an issue, but when you got a guy like OB who's able to run the floor as flawlessly as he does, you can kind of bust through that zone a little bit because you get down transition. They can't just, sit back and wait. They got to go man up and, and get a body on him and follow him around. And, uh, you know, last thing I'm going to say, you know, on the OB point is 
he moves and it stands out so much because nobody else moves on offense. There's a lot of talk about the ball doesn't move when Julius has it, yada, yada, yada. If you watch a lot of times, nobody's moving. Like if they don't have the ball, nobody moves. Like RJ does not cut. RJ waits in the corner, rightfully in the beginning of a possession, right? A lot of times, Julius drives and kicks to a wide open RJ. That's bread and butter for their offense. That's how they're going to start it. No matter, like it, hate it, whatever. They're always going to do those two. And normally, RJ's some kind of open. But in the event that he's not open, in the event that a Fournier is not open, you got to move without the basketball. You have to have secondary actions and cuts. And you got to just, even if you don't have something planned, a play, you know, as a, as a guy who sits behind the three-point line, you got to know, like, okay, I got to cut baseline here. I got to go to the other side before I'll, I'll pull back up top. I'll rotate whenever the – you got to figure it out because if you're not moving, we're not going to have any sort of flow in our offense. And it, it's a starting five problem to me. It's not just a, a one guy not moving the ball problem because, you know, when they do cut, like RJ started to do in, in the second half, in the third quarter when he started attacking the basket more, he was found for passes. When Noel started trailing Julius on a drive, Julius found him for passes. It's not hard. If you cut and you find a way to get open and get free and shake free of your man, you probably end up with the basketball at some point, like Obi does often because he's the only guy moving without the ball most of the time. This is an everybody problem. They, they stand around a lot of the time. And that's one thing I don't like, and that's why it's refreshing when Obi's in. But now on the Obi point, career night. Career night. We had 19 and 10 out of him. He was hustling his ass off. Uh, one assist. Yeah, I mean, he shot three of six from the field. He did hit one three last night, but also, you know, he got to the line a bunch of times. And when you attack the rim, you know, we always complain about the refs. Refs aren't going to give us calls if we're not attacking the rim. Like, period. We settle for a lot of jumpers in this offense. If you're not going to get to the rim, you're not going to get calls. RJ eventually started going to the basket. Oh, he was always going to the basket. Between the two of them, they had 14 free throws. We shot 24 on the net. Two guys getting the bulk of that. So, it, it's not rocket science, man. You just got to attack the basket. Like it's like basketball one-on-one. And, and it seems like at least when Obi's on the floor, they do a better job of that. You know, they work into the paint more, but yeah, I mean, Obi played real well, man. It's infectious the way that he plays. Uh, I, I'm not sure many guys in the league run the, the floor the way that he does. Um, not at all. He, he runs with purpose. He runs with purpose. You got to be able to run, run, uh, run with purpose. A lot of guys on this team don't. They don't. Even in transition, sometimes they're, we don't know where to go. We don't know when to pass. We don't know when to go up with it. We don't know when to make contact. And it's just like everybody's in their own heads. Obi does not do that. Obi just goes, okay, I got the ball. I'm going to push it, pass it. Hopefully I get it back. I don't have the ball. I'm sprinting. I'm sprinting. I'm going to go to the basket. If they miss me, I'm popping out to the three-point line. I'll pull back up and we'll start our offense. Basketball is a simple game. You just you move in crisp fast directions, and then you adjust rapidly if the action did not work in your favor and you readjust and you just keep reshuffling. And Obi did a great job of that last night and he's got to play more. You know, he, he's, they've been playing him, like I said earlier, they've been doing the Randall Obi thing earlier in games. Maybe, hopefully, that's a precursor to him getting more time regularly. But last night, 24-ish minutes, you know, him and Quickly both got 24. They should both always be getting 24, 25. And it's not even a, everybody does the old bench Randall thing. We, we cannot be this dramatic where everybody's got to be benched in favor of a bench guy all the time. The issue is they can play together. And whether Tibbs wants to assign Obi as being a center or not does not matter. Randall could be this, the small ball center for all I care. I don't give a fuck. The point is that they need to play together. 
on the basketball court. And when they play together on a basketball court, things look good. So I, I, I like that they're going to it more, but I, I got to see it now consistently every night. This, this guy's got to play, man. He's got to play straight up. Yeah, no, I it's and that's what scares me, honestly. Like with 19 and 10 and 23 minutes for Obi was great. Um, I really love it. I wish, wish, wish with all of my heart that he could have hit a couple of those jumpers. That's a whole different game if he does, whole different game win wise and stat wise too. Um, but you know, so hopefully those start to fall soon. He's been shooting a pretty low percentage on them, but they look good, like his form looks good. So I'm hoping that those fall soon. But the scary part about that is seeing how good it looks because we've said it the whole time. We know what this what, what they can do. We know that, that with Obi's improved, you know, defensive ability. There's no defensive liability in that lineup. We're like, like I said, we're better on the perimeter defensively. Actually, Obi switches well. He's defending well on the perimeter. He's moving his feet. He's staying in front of guys. He's hustling and just the effort, like the effort. And he does that. He's close to the wall all the time. Like he's sprinting. He's the first one down the floor, and he's never like. There's never a play where Obi's not running, ever, ever at any point in the game. If we're out in transition, it's le- it's led by Obi. He's gone. He's back on defense all the time. Like that one, I keep like, I can never, you know, stop pointing out that one Chicago play that everybody was reacting to where he like uh, got the steal, went for the dunk, lost the ball, got back, got the block, took off, went up for the, like, but that's all the time. That's how he plays all the time. And he needs to be on the floor. So to see it work like that yesterday just makes me nervous because it's going to make me twice as upset if we don't see it now. Like now that we've seen it and it works, like Tibbs has this thing where he commonly will do the thing by accident, see it work, and then be so stubborn that he goes back to the thing that doesn't work. And that really, really, really pisses me off. Like I remember last year, uh, I was begging, like literally begging for weeks from the time we got Derrick Rose. I was like, please let me see Derrick Rose, Emmanuel quickly, RJ, Randall, Mitch. I need it. And or it might've been down at the time because Mitch had gotten hurt. But uh, we saw it once at the end of an Atlanta game in the garden. It was, I think that was the game where Trey Young got hurt toward the end. And they looked beautiful. The ball was moving beautifully. RJ hit big shots in the corner. Quick made good looks for him. Randall had spacing. And then we didn't see Atlanta begin for like th- three weeks. And I was just like, yo, what is your problem? So if he does that this time, I don't know, bro. Like, you know, the fact that he's doing it in favor of, and I hate to sound like I'm killing Aaron with Noel, but it's just like, New Orleans Noel starts on a team in 2021 where Obi's top and doesn't get 20 minutes a game. And I think that's irresponsible. That's irresponsible today. That's irresponsible tomorrow. That's irresponsible for putting the best product on the floor. And that's irresponsible for Obi's development going forward. It's a waste of time and it's not doing us any favors. And it needs to change ASAP, like ASAP. And Tibbs, like, like I was saying earlier, like, I'm very logic-based. I'm cool with logic. I can rock with logic if it makes sense. Yesterday in his post-game presser, he was like, oh, if Obi plays well, then he'll play more. I almost threw my remote at my TV, like, for real, because Obi has been playing this way all season. He just needs more opportunities. He's been playing. He's been – Obi has played harder than anybody in the New York Knicks uniform all year. So I don't know what that statement of if he plays well, he'll play more means, because, no, that hasn't been the case. Maybe that'll be the case now. Hopefully, now that he said it, it, it came from your mouth. So I'm just going to keep running that clip back until you start doing what you're supposed to do. But I really hope that Tibbs doesn't make me hate him, bro. I really I really do. Because um, I don't hate him. I, you know, I, I'm very frustrated 
But if he continues to ignore what's obvious, like there's no way. Now you drafted a guy, the number eight pick in the draft. He's already supposed, and you drafted him because he was NBA ready. He was older. So, you know, he was already supposed to have a role. He wasn't prepared for that role last year. Okay. The team's better than expected. Whatever. This is a development year. That's perfectly fine. He goes into the summer. He does everything you want him to do. He comes back. He has a great summer league. He's playing really well off the bench to begin the year. He has a great attitude about it. He's not complaining. 19 career night. That guy needs to play. We need something. You keep trying things. You're willing to try Alec Burks as a starting point guard in the NBA, but you're not willing to play Obi Tubbin more. Yeah, I mean, you know, so last night, Nerlens only ended up playing 13 minutes, right? And Mitch plays 18 minutes, and Obi plays 24. So he, he gets the most minutes out of the bigs last night for once, right? That It doesn't happen every night or most nights or any of the other nights so far, but last night it did happen. So, you know, it again, like you see, okay, so he's you're big on the floor most of the night. And to me, I think it like we had touched on briefly before, but it's two parts. It's one that, yeah, he's playing well enough where he's just impacting things, scoring, and um, you know, he's not really he can't really create at all yet or shoot the way that you'd want him to. But as long as he's playing with capable dynamic guards, which always only seem to be on the bench and for no reason they they can't ever start for some strange reason. Um, which by the way, I hate that. I hate that whole, they got to be on the bench because we have a good bench and, and quickly can only play with roles because they're great together. Um, I'm bothered by that. I understand playing. I'm not saying never play them together, break them up permanently. Um, I think you could easily start whoever off the bench, either one of those guys, and they can still play together in spurts. I don't, I don't get this. They can only play the bench, only play together all the time. Uh, if you're getting shellacked in starter minutes, then you don't need to do that all the time. Then, then maybe they could use some of that great impact against opposing starters, like we saw last night in the second half. And, and you know, as the game went on, uh, they don't need to just play opposing benches to beat up on to make up gigantic deficits all the time. They can play against opposing starters and probably hold their own and be fine. And we're not in a gigantic hole, like straight up. It's very simple, but. You know, the, the OB thing, yeah, I mean, he's got, he's got to play. Like, straight up, he's got to play. He did play last night, and they lost nothing defensively from going small and having him on the floor as much as they did. Again, whether you want to say he was the four or the five or Randall was the four or the five, it doesn't really matter. The defense was good. And it shows you one thing I pointed to, you know, everybody likes to point blame on one player not playing defense or giving an effort on defense. The big issue is schematically they like playing with Mitch or Noel or Taj in the paint. And they like helping off the corners and off the three-point line as a focus to protect the paint and the rim. And, and, and while I understand that always you want to protect the basket, even in 2021, it should be some kind of an emphasis. I'm sure that's fine. But my point even with that was, okay, so if you do play those guys, what's the point of having two top five to 10 shot blockers if you don't trust them to block the shots? If you need Julius to help you in the paint all the time, which by the way, they have a good paint defense, right? They do. But it doesn't matter when their all-around defense is bad because they get shellacked from deep. Like, that, now it's just your classic analytics math problem. Like, three is greater than two, and we're getting bombed all the time. But last night, you had guys, guards who were just fast basketball players. Even if, uh, aside from the fact that they play better defense than, like, an Evan 48, you just have fast basketball players. A quickly is a fast basketball player who's going to be able to rotate better than these other guys, right? 
and it matters because all of a sudden the guards couldn't get into the couldn't even get into the paint. You don't got to worry about helping off the corners to protect the paint if the guards don't even let them in. It's not rocket science. Basketball, we say this all the time, Sean, on this podcast, on Twitter. Everybody thinks that we're being smarmy, condescending, whatever you want to say. Basketball is a simple game. It's a simple game. If you have capable defensive guys at the point of attack, they're going to keep guys out of inside the arc. You don't want Fred Van Vliet getting inside the arc and going crazy. You don't want Scotty Barnes driving, dunking on you like crazy. And most of that game, when they went small, guys were not getting inside. Sure, a couple of a couple times, it's, it's always going to happen, right? But in a bulk, the, the layup line that we had to start the game, it stopped. It stopped. And, and that's something that we need to see Tibbs realize. You know, he, he is a defensive coach. He is a defensive mastermind. We, we say this all the time. You know, we saw how well the defense played last year. But that doesn't, the defense last year is not the defense this year. You know, the scheme last year doesn't have to be the scheme this year. Team, team saw what we did. They're going to adjust and learn how to attack, and they have. Oh, we're playing the Knicks. Drive and kick everything, hit the corners, hit the wings, and just shoot as many threes as you can. Every team we play has the same blueprint. Every team we play has the same game plan. The only person who doesn't realize it most nights seems to be Tibbs. So that's the frustrating thing. He's a smart coach. We all know this. That's why we get mad. That's why we get frustrated. He's a smart coach. We know that. They played a lot better for him last year than they had played previously for any of the coaches that we had leading up to him, right? So we know that he's a motivator. We know that he's capable. We know that some of that stuff schematically works. But that's why it's more frustrating. So, yeah, I mean, good to see OB get going last night. But, man, they got to, as a whole, just embrace the small ball stuff because you, you, this, this notion that you lose anything on the defensive end is very silly when they've played big most of the year and they've been last in the league in defense most of the year. It, it really so, – so what exactly are you – if it was working – I get it. I get it. We weren't scoring no points, something like that. But we've been better on offense all year than we have defense. We've been top 10-ish to top 15-ish all year on, on offense, which doesn't even sound possible with how not fun the season has gone so far. The defense has been a problem. And if you notice, when Evan Fournier is off the floor, when we play smaller, all of a sudden, things get a little bit better. Evan Fournier is never on the floor when we go on a run. Never. 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 Aside of like the one game every two weeks where he hits like five threes in a row before he does his disappearing act, like he doesn't contribute nothing on the defensive end. Nothing. There's a reason he didn't play a lot of that second half last night. And we were making a, a pretty tremendous run. Like there, there's a reason he didn't come back till very late. And then once he came we back, lost. <laughs> we lost. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not rocket science, man. Everybody always, this is why earlier in the year when everybody's like, it's just Randall. It's just Kemba. It's just RJ. It's not just one dude. It's always a bunch of dudes who are struggling that contribute when we're struggling this much on defense. Kemba was the first step towards fixing this, adjusting that. But Fournier is the other step. You can't be afraid to adjust just because you foolishly spent 78 million American dollars on Evan Fournier. You cannot be afraid to adjust there on out. It was a bad deal. Everyone knew it was, a, well, nobody knew it was a bad deal except for me. I got blasted. I got shamed. They dragged me through the streets. Evan Fournier stinks. I wish everybody would just watch this guy in Orlando. He rotted away in Orlando every year on similar contracts. Nobody ever jumped the trade for this guy. Everybody's like, team option. It's not that bad of a deal. If you look what Norman Powell, Gary Trent Jr. are getting, it's not that bad of a deal. Gary Trent Jr. and Norman Powell are far superior basketball players. Every night, Gary Trent Jr. laces him up. That man's got three to four steals and hits a bunch of threes. That guy's worth was- the money. 
Yesterday, I was like, yo, I wish, I wish it would have been Gary Trent Jr. we got with this money. And, and oh, real, my goodness. Real, real quick sidebar, too. Everybody always does the, oh, well, who did you even want? I, I love that question. Who did you even want? Who did you even want? Okay. I mean, we do this two years in a row. So two years ago, I wanted Fred Van Vliet. Very open about that. I, hey, I don't know if he's leaving Toronto. Go get a fucking meeting with him. Give him a blank check and say, buddy, you can come start here. We got all the opportunity at guard. You can come start right away. You could be the guy with Julius, like right away. Done deal. No meeting. We make no real attempt at Fred Van Vliet. Okay. Well, well, he was going to go to Toronto. Okay. The year before that, Kawhi, right? Now, now, look, don't get me wrong. I don't think we're getting Kawhi. I don't think there was ever a realistic shot. But the point is, you should at least meet with Kawhi. You should at least make your pitch. You should at least try to sway him to get one of the better players on your league, right? But instead they said, we knew he wasn't coming. Okay, so you knew Kawhi wasn't coming. Don't bother meeting. You knew Fred Van Vliet wasn't coming. Don't bother meeting. Uh, then this last year, Lonzo Ball. Go get Lonzo. Go be aggressive, bro. Like, And again, I don't mind if you meet with a guy, you talk about it, and it don't work out. You got to meet with the guy, the best free agents, right? What they do is they do this what was me thing where they wait, and then all of a sudden they're like, ah, only Fournier was available. That sucks, bro. You're the New York Knicks. You're the most valuable franchise in the NBA. And you're not even meeting with guys and you're going, oh, I mean, what are we going to do? Lonzo's going to Chicago. Well, did you meet with him? Did you have a conversation? Did you, th- did you throw an offer? Nothing? You just, you just knew? Are, are, are free agents refusing to meet with you still? What was the point of signing power broker, power agent, Leon Rose, who runs CAA, the whole point of that was to be able to get meetings, to talk to guys, to get in the room with guys, to at least have the conversation. Nobody's saying it's a lock you're going to get these guys if you have a meeting. But why are we not even trying? So, yeah, I mean, to me, I would have I wanted Fred. I would have wanted Lonzo. I would have wanted better guys. I just would have. Like, straight up, th- those are two guys who, who immediately fix issues on both sides of the ball for this team. Thanks. And we Thanks. got Evan Fortier. Evan Fortier, career journeyman who rotted away, he's your classic, good stats, bad team. Nobody ever, nobody watched this guy. It stuns me that everybody was so on board and nobody watched this guy. You watch this guy in Orlando, this is the exact archetype of player that Knicks fans always hate. Always. Chucking, no defense, low effort. Last night he threw up, he made a steal, right? Right after taking, he, he had a bad play. He had a bad play, right? Then he makes a steal. Because I remember I was typing, I was like, Evan, what the fuck? Then he makes a steal and I was like, Evan clamps. This is in Slack. Then immediately, he throws the ball into the back of R.J. Barrett, reminiscent of Zach Wilson chucking the ball into the back of that dude the week before <laughs> Houston. And, yeah, to Ty Johnson. And I was like, but why? Why? Like, what, what possibly? Like, this is supposed to be a veteran, and he makes bonehead plays all the time. Like, this guy's almost 30. I mean, what are we? Th- you're not going to win games with that. You're just not. He's not a high IQ player. You know, he, he had some threes last night. Great. But we got blasted when you were on the floor. Like, you don't do blasted. enough. Every night, we, we don't get enough out of him. So, to me, that, that's very frustrating. I, I think you, you got you to gotta make another tweak here. I'm not even saying, like, banish him. I mean, I would personally. But, I mean, realistically, I'm not even saying banish him. Just put him on the bench. Well, why, why should we make quickly and Rose and these other guys struggle and only play opposing benches? And then Fournier gets this, this big, long leash to just stay in the starting lineup. I mean, you're not doing your job. It's evident. Just 
make the switch. I mean, that, that part's very frustrating to me. I, but I'd like to, to – oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just – I don't know how long we have to bear with it for because everything that you said is correct. And honestly, in terms of the question that people ask of who you would have preferred, like, yes, I wanted Alonzo terribly. I wanted Fred Van Vliet too, but I, I the Fred Van Vliet thing I'm not so much tripping about. He took a really big contract to go back where he already was, so I figured that was kind of a done deal. Um, I wanted Alonzo would have liked us to get in on that. But, I mean, beyond that, like, I would have preferred nobody. I would prefer to play the first-round pick. Like, I, I would prefer to watch Quentin Grimes than to watch Evan Fournier for the contract that he's on. And regardless of contract, forget money. If Evan Fournier was playing for free, I'd want him to sit down. He's been terrible. Like, he's not consistent enough offensively. Even last, excuse me, last night, he had a couple of threes. Cool. I mean, thank you for being two of the only shots we hit when we had nothing going on and scored 10 points in, like, the first eight minutes of the game. That's great. I appreciate it. But at the same time, like, he's getting burned on the other end. He's not really – he's not creating anything. Like you said, he has boneheaded plays. Like, throwing, like because when he got that steal, I was like, thank you, he made a play. And the thing is, in the Chicago game, Evan was making plays defensively. Like, he had that uh, block where he got back in transition and, like, blocked the dunk. Uh, he had a couple of deflections, a couple of like, you know, like he drove out of bounds and threw it in one time. Like he's capable of making plays. He's just not trying. And I have no sympathy or empathy for lack of effort. Like, and I, and I try to make that as clear as possible. And I feel like the Alec Burks game last night is a huge, like, you know, sign of that. He had one point over seven from the field, played 36 minutes. I think he played too many minutes, but I'm not killing him. I'm not going to kill you for not hitting shots if you did it on a one. It's an off night. But if you're just not trying, bro, like if you're if people are blown by you, walking around you, you don't rotate well. And yet, like you said about the rebound, that's the guards. Long rebounds are the guards. You're supposed to box out and you have to go get the ball. Like in a situation like that, Evan Fournier doesn't really have a lot of go get it in him. Like he's capable of it. We've seen it in a very, 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 very limited sample size. But like, he doesn't do it. He, I, I, I'm scared to go back and watch that possession last night where they got all those extra shots. I'm scared to see what Evan Fournier was doing. But, like, I don't want to see him on the floor. Quentin Grimes rebounds really well for a guard. Evan Fournier is, like, a 6'7 guard, and he's had more. he had five rebounds and more three times this season. Like, yeah. what are we doing? He's not doing anything defensively. He's not consistent offensively. He's not hitting the boards. He's not creating for guys like... Uh, but, to, but to your point, too, you know, like, uh, the, the whole, like, who else did you, like, we were just talking about the who else did you want thing, right? Uh, and then everybody always yells at me because I'm always like, you got to spend some money. You got to spend some money. When I say that, it's like, yeah, bro, if you got to overpay for Lonzo Ball, go do it because he fills, he fills the hole. He's a young player. He's getting better. I don't mind if you overpay and then that burns you. That, that's, a, to me, that, those, that's what I mean. Like, you got to be spending on guys that are worth it. And, you know, kind of going back, that's why I'm confused for, for Knicks fan logic anyway. Everybody was anti-spending just to spend, right? So why did we spend? And this is the other thing, too. We were the only bidders for Evan Fournier. Like, that was, this has already been reported, right? Like, we were the only dudes who were trying to get him, especially at that price point. So why did we why did we feel like we had to give him four years i don't care everybody lo loved telling me that night when i when i freaked out when it was announced fourth year if you actually go to the tweet it almost looks like everyone copy and pasted the same line in response to me fourth year option bro team option relax 
relax. Did you know, Sean? I'm just going to do quick math here. So if there's a four-year deal and the fourth year is a team option, that leaves three full seasons of Evan Fournier. And if you're asking me, that is two more than we should have given him. Okay? You could have done a one-and-one. One. You could have done a one-and-one one deal. You could have done a two-plus-one two deal. You decided to do a three-plus-one deal. That, to me, is nuts that you were so open to – everyone just like, well, it's only three for 54 if you think about it. Three for 54 is too much money and years for Evan Fournier. Straight up, if you wanted to do a two-year deal, fine. I could have stomached that. Decent swing, two-year deal. It's not going to kill you, right? Doesn't work this year. Next year, he's an expiring fine. Three full years you guaranteed with him. That, to me, is nuts. Like, this is a guy – and you said, Sean, he's capable of, of effort, whatever. Maybe, but most nights to me, he looks like a guy who runs on a freshly polished hardwood floor with new socks on. He can't move no place on offense or defense. On offense, Sean, I know you know, you see this. What happens sometimes, right? If he doesn't do the sidestep, the only thing that I like that he does is he has a nice little pump fake sidestep three, right? Great. All shooters should have that in their bag, right? That, to me, that's bare minimum I expect from you. When he puts the ball on the floor, everybody loves telling me this guy's a creator. He passes in the half court. When he puts the ball on the floor he gets by nobody his defenders glued to his hip he can't and then it's like he slides into the paint making rough ugly contact to throw up some brick off the backboard it's never close he never makes those shots never i i, I will be petty and figure i'll go i'll go do the stats and, and search his shot attempts in those areas and it's not going to be pretty i already know it's a guarantee he never makes those shots it always bricks off the backboard it's an air ball it's always high off the backboard too it's an aimless brick so that's the offensive problem or he gets stifled, and then, or he gets trapped. He picks the ball up, and he's pivoting. He has nowhere to go because he stinks there. And then on defense, it's the same thing. He, he's, like, stuck. He's frozen. Guys blow by him, and then he, then he reacts, and his body can't get there because he's slow. He's not good. I wish anybody, the Knicks included, maybe should have just watched, like, any Orlando Magic game over the last five or six years, like any, any game, any game, any random Tuesday night game where the Magic played. Just pull that game up, and he stinks, and he just stinks it up. It's the same thing every night. I, I, I like it really like I, I'm, I'm sorry I can't do it anymore I, I didn't want it at the time and this goes back to last season at the trade deadline everyone's like you gotta go get Evan Fournier you just gotta go get him that's the guy and I was like it's not the guy that's not the guy you do not want Evan Fournier so it wasn't just some big off-season reactionary take that I had that everybody loves to think I didn't want him well before that I didn't want him at the trade deadline I didn't want him in our thoughts I didn't want him in our prayers I didn't want him in our plans in any capacity and here he is for three years 54 million guarantee. It's an unbelievable thing that they did to me. Like they paid, they paid him just to pay him. As Knicks fans, they get angry about that, right? Paying a guy just to pay a guy. Second highest played player on the team. He can't be bothered to play defense. He can't be bothered to move his feet. He can't be bothered to know how to dribble and get by somebody. Everybody loves to, oh, I got to reply. Well, maybe he's just tired because of the Olympics. No. Wait, hold on. Somebody said, somebody said that to you? I, I got This is what I'm saying. Everybody wonders why I'm angry all the time. These are the responses I get. He's tired because of the Olympics. Evan Fournier is tired because of the Olympics? This guy didn't play in the playoffs last year. This guy didn't play in the finals. What is he tired from? What is he tired from? 29 years old. What is he tired from? This is supposed He's to be tired because of the Olympics is funny as hell. Bro, like the excuses are nuts, man. The, the Olympics. The Olympics, bro. Like, if, if, I wish people watch the games and then just go to basketball reference or, or do the little cherry pick stats to show his creation ability or, or nonsense. It's nonsense. If you watch a game, you know how impactful or lack thereof he is. But 
I want to get off the Fournier question thing because we talked about players we would or would have won free agency or prior years, hindsight, all that other fun stuff. And we're stuck with Fournier. I don't want to get too stuck, you know, harp on this for too long. Everyone gets upset when I, when I rightfully harp on stuff I was correct about after you dragged me for months. But I'd like to talk about the actual hot conversation here. We got to change something, right? Normally that means in, in addition to a, a big lineup change, you got to make you got to make some trades. That's how the NBA works. You, and, and to make trades, you got to give, you got to get, right? Mm-hmm. So there's two names that there was three names that popped up this week, and and one of them obviously was Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, we knew that, not that it was a certainty he could be moved, but you know, new GM Oshley got fired, and they're, they're gonna maybe go in a different direction. But uh, they ruled out Dame getting traded, which makes a lot of sense. Um, just for them, I don't think you got to. I'm not, I, I'm never like it just as a broad NBA note. Uh, I never feel like you got to trade your superstar to like rebuild. I, I I always am of the belief that like you should just you can and should just trade everybody else ahead of time. Like like Nurk does not suck. Nurk is is a really good NBA center. Like is he engaged every night? No, but he's a really good NBA center that most teams would like to have. Right? Like he's he just is. He's really good in the paint. He's got a ton of moves in the post. Great bas- a back-to-the-basket guy. He's a good defender, what he wants to be. But you can get something for him. He has value, for sure. For sure. I would argue you might be able to get more for him than CJ, right? CJ Uh-oh. is another really good player. Not great. Really good. Really good. Not an all-star. That sort of Mike Conley forever tier, probably just below Conley. I think Conley's better than him and has been. But, but that same sort of like, fringe very good level right nothing wrong with that so they'll probably do that but i don't ever think you got to be like oh we, we got to just you know trade dame and, and blow it all up and, and do this big rebuild so i'm, I'm glad that they're, they're sticking with that and and for the Knicks sake anyway we had a lot of aimless conversations on twitter this week all of us about it being the mellow trade selling the farm you got the same shit that always comes up whenever we're going to do a trade right but now that that's gone, we can focus on uh, the more realistic stuff. So the, the Pacers uh, kind of announced that they're going to head in a, a rebuild sort of around, you know, rookie Chris uh, Duarte. And that typically means that probably Miles Turner's gone. That means that the amount of Sabonis might be gone. That means, I mean, they can't move Brogdon because of that extension, but I would imagine that he would, you know, also be on the table if available. So, the guy that isn't officially on the table, but missed two free throws last night to seal the game winner is De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento. Uh, they haven't been winning nothing with him. They got a new stable of guards and, and uh, Mitchell and Halliburton over there. And, you know, they, they, they got to eventually shit or get off the pot if they're not getting anywhere. Right. You got to try to get some more assets, but um, I, I wanted to, at least throw this to you to start here, but what do you, what do you make of this? Cause I know mostly what we've been focusing on is miles Turner and, and the theoretical prayer right now is the Aaron Fox. I mean, do you think these are realistic things? Are these things that you are interested in? Um, so the miles Turner thing is intriguing, but I'm not really interested uh, because I know what it'll cost. You know, like, or actually, I don't know what it'll cost, but I know that it will cost. And I don't really want, like, you know, I feel like any trade with Miles Turner probably has to include Obi. And I don't want to include Obi to get Miles Turner. Like, at this, I don't want to trade Akira Obi at all, honestly. 
But if I am trading Acura Obi, I want it to be as part of a package for a star. Like, I think that they're very valuable to this franchise. Um, you know, I don't think that a package of like Mitch, Obi, and a first round pick, like, I think we'd be getting fleeced in that deal, honestly. Because I also think Mitchell Robinson has a lot of potential. I like Mitchell Robinson. I think Miles Turner would add a lot to this team. He'd space the floor well, he blocks shots well. Uh, he doesn't rebound very well for whatever reason. But Miles Turner is going to be one of those guys that everybody says they want, and then he's going to get here, and everybody's going to complain about him. That, that's the vibe that I get from it. I wouldn't be upset if we got him, but, like, if we give up Obi and a first-round pick to do so, I just don't necessarily know. Like, I, I don't think that would be the best use of Obi's value, especially as it's appreciating more than it ever has. Um, so I'd probably pass on that. I don't think it's enough. But, but at the same time, I, I'm, I'm torn because he would be a five that spaces the floor. That would be good. He would legitimately space the floor. He's had a couple 40-point games. He's very capable. He came out the other day and he was like, you know, here in Indiana, they only see me as a glorified role player. So I'm like, you know, that made me a little nervous. Like, I love confidence, but it's like, okay, so do you, what roster do you think you're a star on? You know, like, I I, I don't know. Um, De'Aaron Fox, I've loved De'Aaron Fox ever since Kentucky. Like, I'm swipe a hive all through and through. Uh, he's tailed off a little bit in three-point shooting, which is a little disappointing because uh, the jumper was the question mark mainly, and then he improved it a little bit, and now it's going back down a little bit. But, I mean, very fast guard who plays defense and has great playmaking ability is never a bad way to go. And I think he can get himself back to being a somewhat consistent jump shooter. Um, I mean, he's only, what, 22, 23 years old? So I, I would love to have De'Aaron Fox, but also, and I'm sure in any deal, well, then again, I don't know, because they don't really have, they got mad guards already. I was going to say, I'm sure in any deal for De'Aaron Fox, you lose IQ, but possibly not since they have a lot of guards. So, you know, I, I'd definitely be open to that. And I, I imagine at one point I thought the De'Aaron Fox price would be really high, but I don't know how high it is right now. I don't know how that price is. Like, I, and I'm always on the side of adding more first-round picks to not have to add certain players. So if, if we could do a De'Aaron Fox deal and keep IQ and OB, which sounds pretty unrealistic, sign me up. But, yeah, I don't think that can happen. And I'm not trading RJ. So I... I'm open, you know, if it's like three picks plus, uh, I don't know. What do you think? So, um, so I disagree with you considerably on the, the Miles Turner thing. And so not that I'm in love with Miles Turner, but I think for how much sense it makes, um, I, I think Obi in a pick and, and Mitch is a very fair trade package. Uh, you have to understand, I mean, Indiana is going to want, stuff that could potentially be good. Uh, any any team's going to want stuff that potentially could be good. They're going to want at least a pickback. Uh, I disagree on Mitch's potential. M Mitchell Robinson is who he is. Um, and I'm not trying to be, like, be slanderous or mean when I say that, but his, his like, peak as a player is being a rim-rolling, high-effort, high-energy, always-blocking-shots guy. There's no other upside offensively that he's going to ever provide to you. The, the jump shooting thing or any, any other scoring prowess, he just does not have that in him. He's going to be, he's going to be putbacks. He's going to be lobs. He's going to be blocks. And that, that's basically it. And that's going to be predicated on the guards that he has and how much effort he gives on a given night. And he's young, so I'm not going to sit here and slam him for the effort, the inconsistencies and effort, whatever, especially when you just put you know, muscle weight on entering this season. 
I, I think that's a waste of time to argue about that kind of stuff when since the benching, he's been pretty engaged and pretty good, right? But there's a cap on how good and how much he's going to be able to provide upside-wise for you moving forward. So if if a starting point is Mitch, a rookie, and a pick, to me, it's sort of a no-brainer. Uh, I think Indiana might want probably maybe a quickly more than they would want like an Obi, but if, it, if it's Obi, I would still do it. Uh, Obi's, as much as I like him, and again, I, I agree with you. You know, I always agree with the, we have more picks. We have no room to take these picks into our roster. If you can include more picks in any deals, get it done. And, I, and you know, I, I maybe should have started with the Fox deal because I, 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 again, agree with you on the prioritization here. I think priority number one would be go get De'Aaron Fox and give Sacramento most of what they want. I would be like, hey, man, we don't want to move RJ. We just don't. But OB quickly, any of the Grimes, Deuce, Sims, any, any picks you want basically is on the table. What package appeals to you out of those? Just take your pick, let us know, and we'll figure something out. I think that the Sacramento would go more for an OB. They have a big hole at the four. And I saw some, when I was tweeting about this yesterday, this is why I stopped tweeting about it and I got angry and I put that tweet out about him. I'm talking with you guys. Everyone's like, you know what would fill that hole at the four? Julius Randle. And I'm like, guys, if you, so this is my, this is my issue with that, right? Everybody, look, this is the new, oh, if you could, if you could move Randall, okay. Because we always think one guy's the problem and we got to move one guy. The whole point of the, pro, of the playoffs last year, right? Sean Kirk, if I'm wrong, we had no basketball players that could create offense last year that were not named Julius Randall. And because of that, they doubled, tripled, zoned up Randall and made somebody else try to create. And if you notice, the roster last year is almost the roster this year, right? So we still have nobody that can create except for Julius Randle. If you move Julius Randle and you get De'Aaron Fox, now you have exactly one player who can create offense again. So you don't actually get better because now you just have one guy. And again, I like Obi. okay? Sure, okay, you, you trade Randle, you start Obi, right? It's fun. You can do more pick and rolls, probably out in transition more, you probably score a little more, right? Something like that. Fast-paced offense, alleys, dunks. I see the appeal. I understand. I'm not an idiot. I'm not blind. But Obi can't create his own offense. So it's going to be back on De'Aaron Fox. Right now, is struggling from three. And, and then what? You got to basically back, go back to praying that RJ is going to be able to create enough, right? I think it's very silly with the, with, the, with the Randall thing, right? He's not going nowhere. They didn't just extend him for four years on a pretty team-friendly deal to then trade him after 20 games. He's not going anywhere. Stop wasting your time. It's getting very, very, very silly. Like, to Sacramento of all places. To like. Sacramento. He, he's not, this is not what they're going to do. But they have a hold before. Obi looks appealing right now. And mind you, last year, nobody liked Obi, Knicks fans included. All these jokes. He's 23, 23 years old. He's a senior citizen. Why would they take this guy? Yada, yada, right? Now, now he's on. This is what we do in, in Knicks fan land. Now he's untouchable. You can't move him. You got to give something up because, the, the, like, for even in the Miles Turner deal, right? Mitch, like, even if you think Mitch has potential, at best, what, what is Mitch at best if he figures out how to shoot right? It's probably Miles Turner. Do we think that he's going to be Miles Turner? I don't. I don't. I think defensively he could be real good, but he's never going to have that scoring ability, never going to have that prowess. So, to me, I think, like, yeah, I would look, you, you, you try to give Sacramento almost anything you want. I think they'd be very interested in Obi. They've been trying to fill that power forward spot for a long time. Bagley stinks. He's been playing a little bit better, but he stinks. He's going to be out of there. We know that. So, yeah, I mean, I would toss the Moby. To me, this is like a sell-high moment for Obi. 
be like, hey, I mean, he look, and again, this is not like to ship him out of town, just to ship him out of town type thing, but he, he is 24 years old. How, how good is he really going to be more like, you know, like taking giant strides? Normally we say, oh, the upside of the 20-year-old, of the and he's going to get better these next four years, right? He's already 24. Not to say he is who he is because he, he got much better than last season, but it's like if there's maybe a moment to take a calculated risk on, maybe he's not going to get way better. He'll get better, but not way better. Is that worth getting a De'Aaron Fox? I think it is. I think so. I, I think you got to, when we can't fill, fill this guard position for the life of us, I, I think that's, you, you get Fox, right? That gives you the ability to probably get a Miles Turner. You probably have enough to do two deals. You have to put everything on the table, you know, but you, you probably have enough to get it done. And from there, it's like, it is, is a Fox Turner thing moving forward. I mean, Turner's 26. Fox is not even 25 yet. You get these guys, you have the chance to resign these guys long-term. You solidify your center position. You solidify the guard position finally after who knows how long, right? You give Julius an actual creator, an actual guy who spaces the floor. It's a very sensical plan. Like, even if you're not in love with these guys, it's a very sensical plan. You're banking on young, either stars or, or, or very, very good players. You know, Turner's a sort of fringe DPOY guy at times. And, uh, I think those are the types of swings that they got to take that those are the types of aggressive moves that they got to take because you can't keep all these guys, these young guys. And as much as we might like them, you have to also consider, is there a path to them playing here? How much are they going to actually play here? You know, like Obi, maybe he earns more time now and they don't want to do the Turner deal. Maybe they start him at the four or the five. Eventually maybe Tibbs, the light bulb goes off and you don't got to do the Turner deal. That'd be cool. Right. But then still you should be looking at, the Sacramento deal and what that's going to cost. So I think either way, you got to, they, they got to do something aggressive this year because they can't just be conservative perpetually. We can't, I, I saw a lot of uh, hesitation with these deals because it's like, do we really want to cash our chips in for these guys? Maybe we should just wait for the guy. The guy is never available. The top three to five guy that everybody wants to hold the chips for is never available. Luca's not getting traded in the next two to three years. You know, Trey Young's not getting traded. You know, LeBron's not getting traded. Giannis is not getting traded. These guys that you think are going to solve all of our problems once you get them are not getting traded. There's nothing wrong with taking a, a top, what, 25-ish, 30-ish player, getting a couple of those guys and going, okay, we'll, we'll see what we can build around that. To me, like, you got to take some steps at some point. Like, that doesn't mean because you make one trade that you're done. You trade for De'Aaron Fox and that's it. We have no assets. We can't make no trade, no signings. That's it. The team is what it is for four years. You trade for a Fox and maybe it's easier to get role players. Maybe it's easier. The wing market opens up. Maybe you can get some solid starters that can hit better threes than a Fournier. Like it's, it's not the end all. So I think these two ideas are ideas I can get on board on. We just like you, I've been on board the De'Aaron Fox hive since before the draft. That was the guy I wanted in that draft desperately. We didn't get him. He, you know, I thought he was going to be in Sacramento even longer, but. Once the Halliburton thing happened, they took another guard with Mitchell. You know what? Maybe there's a chance he's going to be available. They're not winning games. Same thing, you know, Buddy Heald's been on the, the trade block every other year. It's not unreasonable to think they might reload the deck. I think you got to give them a call. It's still the Kings. They don't make good deals. I'm not saying we're going to fleece them or anything like that, but, like, you, it might be a more reasonable deal. If you call Sam Presti in OKC right now, he's going to be like, What's up, dickheads? You got to give me quickly. You got to give me Obi. I need RJ, and then I want four picks if you even want to sniff SGA, right? I don't want to do that. I don't. I have no interest in it. I understand SGA's appeal. 
but you know what it's going to be like dealing with certain franchises. So go call Sacramento, see if you could make some shit shake. Now, I'm definitely on board with calling Sacramento. My thing, I'm hesitant on Miles Turner just because, I mean, one, I, I want to play Ovi more. I want to, like, I want to at least lean into, like, he just had a career night last night by getting 23 minutes. So I want to see what this guy can do with 25 minutes. I want to see what this guy can do with 30 minutes. And beyond me wanting to see it, I want other teams to see it as well. Like selling, like, I don't think this is the sell high point on Obi. I think Obi has a lot of room. I mean, he had a great night last night and is clanking from the three-point line right now. He's shooting abysmally from three. If he even started shooting like a decent three-point shooter, it opens the game up for him way more. I mean, there was a pick and roll last night. I forgot who made the pass to him, but they slipped in the, uh, on the roll. He rolled so quickly. He got in there, like did an acrobatic move, missed the layup and was back up there to dunk it back in after like, that's creating offense to me. If you can catch the ball from the elbow between two people, knife between them, miss the layup and get back up there and be back for put back in two seconds. I, I like that kind of creation more than, and I don't blame Randall for it. Like when people say I saw Randall and things like that, I feel like he catches a lot of flack for our offense, just not having enough movement or not being a proficient enough system. That's the way the offense is run. Sorry that he has the ball in his hand. Like it's, it's not really his fault. It's what we're doing. I don't really want us to do that. I don't want us to die on the point for Randall Hill. Like we can use it at times, but I don't need him to be able to do that. So having a point guard that can do it would be nice, but I love the way that Obi does that. Um, I love, and we're, you know, we're starting to see more and more from him. Like, you know, we're starting to see little small flashes. He works hard. The game is a lot to him and the improvement from year one to two makes me think that there's plenty more improvement to come. I mean, he's, I think Obi's barely scratching the surface. So do I want to trade for, because that's the thing. If, if you were saying trade Obi for, Mm. you know throw him in a call towns package of like obi mitch this that five picks whatever let be like okay you can call towns back miles turner has he averages like seven rebounds for his career miles turner is a seven footer with years of averaging under six rebounds a game that is literally disgusting to me i i'm not like jumping at the bit for that like i'm not i you know Miles Turner was drafted, I think he was, what, 10th or 11th pick? I don't know. Some, somewhere. He was drafted pretty early in Indiana. He, he was the guy, honestly. Like, I mean, it was Paul George, but they drafted Miles Turner. He was their young big. They were trying to build around him, and he just never really had it. He blocks shots. He plays good defense. He can space the floor. Um, that Euro step he did on us the other day, I was like, whoa. So, like, it was nice to have that offensive ability from our center position, but it's just very alarming to me that, like, I don't think they were going to trade for Miles Turner, and he's suddenly going to start averaging 12 rebounds a game. I don't think that's going to happen. So now we're going to have a center who doesn't hit the boards. Why doesn't he hit the boards? I don't watch enough Indiana Pacers basketball to know, but like that's alarming to me. So I do more research on that before, but like I'm not really like, oh, we need to go get Miles Turner. Like, eh, that, that not defensively at all, but a center not being able to average more than seven rebounds just gives me PTSD to Eddie Curry. So it's disgusting to me. Um, De'Aaron Fox, I, I'd be way more open to that. I think that, and even then, like, I, I really like Emmanuel quickly. I would like us to play him and to allow him to be point guard. Like I, I we we're doing all this other cute shit of starting Alec Burks at point guard. And then Malcolm Brogdon is pressuring him as he crosses half court. And we're trying to start an offense from 40 feet out because we don't have a real point guard on the floor. So I would like to just see what Emmanuel quickly can do. He's improved a whole lot defensively. 
Uh, we know what his scoring abilities are. He's getting into the, like, I love watching him touch the paint. Like, I love watching him come off that way and come off the screen, whatever it may be, turn the corner and get into the paint. Um, I would like to have him continue doing that. I, I, I would welcome De'Aaron Fox, but, like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, I mean, the thing is, people want the guy. No, Luca's not going to be traded. No, you know, LeBron's not going to hit the trade block. But, I mean, somebody will, honestly. Like, it, it, it's, well, how it's, many years have we been saying that is my thing? This has been going back to 2017, we've been saying that. But guys have hit the trade block since then. We just weren't in position to do anything about it. But well, I feel like now we're we, kind of... We, we've had picks, though. We, we don't we even sucked. get involved. We, we, don't get involved we All right, so I, when, when Anthony Davis hit the trade block, uh, the Lake, he, his two teams were the Lakers and the Knicks on the list. And at that time, we had, like, Kevin Knox the pick that was about to become RJ Mitchell, like we would have gave them everything and which wasn't much. And then we would have had Anthony Davis and nothing around him. And we would have sucked and had no assets or anything moving forward. So that's not really like, that's not really feasible. I don't really count that. Like that. I, I personally, even myself didn't really want to make the Anthony Davis moves. Like we're going to make the Anthony Davis move. And then we're going to do what? You would have cap space. And then free agency opens up and you have a better shot at getting these guys. That's 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 true. But at the end of the day, him and LeBron were angling for that the whole time. So I'm not going to be like, oh, we didn't go make the move for Anthony. I feel like that would be revisionist history. If you watch that happen, you knew Anthony Davis was going to L.A. So I don't really care. But, like, you know, when a guy, a guy can hit the market, like, guys guys hit the market. And did it? Ha- did anybody do it last year? I don't know. Last year may have been, like, one of the first years it didn't happen. But honestly, if it did, it's almost like the same thing you said with them paying for money. Just, you don't trade for a guy just because you there's nobody else to trade for right now. And I feel like that's kind of what the Miles Turner thing would be if we gave up too much for it. I'm open to it, but like I don't want to act like Miles Turner is a shiny new object because nothing else shiny is out there. No, but it's not. It's not that. It's so. For, this is my thing, though. This is all that I'm trying to say. It's not a trade just to do the trade. It's is it a reasonable value, and are these guys really that that we're holding on to and being hesitant for? What's the, the odds that they're going to be that caliber of player? So for me. Like, for example, the first deals that I saw for every trade, which is always, it's the one I make fun of because I brought it up no matter who the player is these last couple of years. Kemba, right? Knox, Noel. <laughs> K- Kemba, Knox, Noel. Take the three guys we don't want and don't play and take one pick. Well, why Why wouldn't India want that? They're rebuilding. They could have a reclamation project in Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox sucks, guys. That's why. Obi doesn't suck. That's why the trade would work with Obi and not with Kevin Knox. Even if you put Noel instead of Noel, Obi in a pick, that makes more sense than whatever the fuck else you guys are trying to do. You got to give up some stuff of value, especially my point is when you have a surplus of picks and young prospects, it's a math problem that you're not going to be able to keep and play all of these guys. You can't just keep everything. And all of these guys anyway, aren't going to pan out. Like I love quickly, right? I, I do. I don't need to repeat it. I've been an insane person about quickly since we got him. He needs to start play big. And I agree with you, even on the OB stuff, showcasing him more so that he plays more. Right. But at the same time, the teams are interested now. To me, at some point, it's not just for the sake of it. It's just you got you got to make some upgrades at a certain point when you you're on the clock with these assets. When even this year, they had what two firsts this year, right? One of them was the Mavs pick. I was like, bro, like move one of these picks. I, I was saying this since before last year. You got to move one of those Mavs picks before it's too late. You got to move some of these picks before it's too late. Then you're gonna start picking guys. Grimes induced. I like these guys. Yeah, when when we picked them, first thing I said to you was like, "Man, I really like Duke. Like Deuce is like, I know everybody likes Grimes. I really like Deuce at the time. I was like, "Wow, what a pick! I really like that." Even then, 
He's in the G League right now. So it's like, could you have actually traded that first round for something of value? Package that with a couple other picks, something of value? Or are we just picking guys to go, mm, maybe I like them and they could be something in two to three years? Or do you just go get the guy and solidify it now? That's all that I'm saying. Like, the Fox thing, I agree with you 100%. Like, that's why we're not really far off. We're mostly on the same page. I just, I'm more into the Turner deal because it's like, it, it makes sense for the, what the team is doing now. But to me, I think if you're going to make a trade, you should start with the guard position. I think you should start with the big one, the big splash. And if you so happen to have stuff left over, yeah, go, go try for the, the Miles Turner thing. That's the way that I would, in a perfect world, if everything goes the way that you and I would like it to go, that's why I would, you know, prioritize it. I think that makes a lot of sense. But it's not just trading for the sake of trading because my point is these guys become available. We don't even get involved. James Harden was available last year. We didn't even, we didn't even call, right? Nobody, and Knicks fans were anti that. Even the AD thing. This is my point, though, with the, the way we have these conversations. At the time with the AD stuff, it was less about, well, what are we, everybody was asked, what are we going to do after we get him? Sign somebody else. I don't, I don't fucking know. That, that's what always happens. You, you get the guy and you figure the rest out later. You make the Carmelo trade, you figure the rest out later. Oh, Tyson Chandler suddenly available, wants to come here. Cool. Oh, they work really well as the four or five together. Great. You just figure it out. Then more guys, you be like, make yourself more available to more guys. That's sort of how it works. But even then, the Anthony Davis thing, I agree with you. I didn't think it was actually going to happen. They were absolutely angling for the Lakers, 100%. But it was the discourse around that time. We can't give up Kevin Knox, Mitch, and picks. Do you guys know the potential of Mitchell Robinson and Kevin Knox? It's the same conversation we ended up having. And then either they aren't good or they are good, but they're not that good. And then we could have made a move. And this is not just exclusive to Anthony Davis. You can check my tweets. As far back as 2017, 2018, I was like, hey, man, I would like us to call about Bradley Beal. I would like to see if he's available. He was sort of available, not available for a while, right? Until then they finally decided we're just keeping him. Why, why couldn't we call about Bradley Bill? What was the problem then? Even then, Mitch Knox and picks, that's ridiculous. No, guys, it's not. That's like bare minimum to even get in the room to have a conversation. So I agree with you, Sean. There's always a guy available, right? Mitchell, like uh, Donovan Mitchell is like, to me, the dream guard situation you can get in terms of the highest possible upside on offense. And he's a really good defender also. I, I would be I'd be over the moon if that happened, right? We've been joking about that one for a while. But then for that to happen, we got to wait. It's not going to be this season. Probably won't be next season. So when are we going to get him? And then all of a sudden, an entire era of Knicks basketball has passed us by where we didn't make moves for the sake of being patient, waiting for the big move. So I think you could make moves in the meantime. I don't, I don't think it means anything like you're wasting your time making moves. I think when you just have the assets in a three- to five-year period, you got to make some shit shake. You're, I don't disagree with that at all. You definitely do have to make some shit shake. I mean, if we were able to pull off Fox and Turner, it's just like, does that cost us? I'm pretty sure that costs us IQ and Obi, um, which I, I, I'm just really high on both of those guys. I, and I was, I've, I've been really high on IQ, but I'm a lot higher on Obi lately. And just in terms of like, like Donovan, it's funny, Donovan mentioned who I was thinking about. But, like, not to say it happens this year, not to say it's Donovan Mitchell, whoever it may be next year. Like, I feel like if the Jazz go do this movie again where they're great all regular season and get to the playoffs and lose in the second round or whatever, like, you know, he might want to leave. He might, you know, might might be some rumors that start coming out, hey, blah, blah, blah. Now, if we get to a point where Donovan Mitchell wants to leave, 
or Donovan Mitchell is looking for a way out, but now our trade package has been weakened because we had to jump on Miles Turner's 5.5 rebounds per game so that we could have our 42 win season. I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be very annoyed. It's not like, that's the thing. My thing is I'm cool making a move and I'm not the guy who feels like you have to make it all happen at once. But I have, if I'm going to make, if I'm going to take this step right here, if I'm going to go from step one to two, I have to see a step three that makes a lot of sense to me. And I don't know that Miles Turner like necessarily makes us, he, I, I think he adds a nice dynamic to us, which is cool, but I don't think he's one of those players where he guarantees that you will, that you will elevate a level. And I think that if you're going to sacrifice IQ and OB or IQ or OB, it needs to be, be because they're the type of players that either can be, I believe they can be very good for us. And I would like to see them be very good for us and be very good here with us. But I understand the reality of the fact that they're probably the first two to go. They're probably the first on the list of someone who people are going to ask for. They're our, they're our best assets, pretty much. Our best movable yeah. assets that we're going to move. But I don't want to... you got to give up someone. Exactly. But because if I'm keeping RJ, I've got to give up someone. I'm not giving away my best assets for Miles Turner. I'm just not. I don't think Miles Turner is that valuable. But that's me. I just don't find him that valuable. And I know that there's guys out there who are actually valuable. And just because nobody's out there, just because those guys aren't available right now, I'm not going to raise his value relative to, I'm not going to curve the grading scale. Like Miles Turner is still Miles Turner. He still averages less than seven rebounds a game. He's not a guy who's going to show up and make us a perennial powerhouse. And possibly he is. I would be very happy if he came here and started blocking shots and patrolling the paint, hitting threes, opening a four for everybody. It's a possibility. I'm not saying it's not. But if we traded for him and we're still the same team, and then, you know, I got to watch IQ and Obi Blossom somewhere else, and then I got to watch a star become available and us not have the right package or us not have the picks because we include him in the mock, like that would just piss me off. But but this is my, my only counter to that because, again, I we're, we're like we're like this far away from being on the same page with the Turner thing. I, I don't think he's like some monster, monster game changer. My point is I, I do think it's just a simple step one. I do think you're just cashing in a couple of chips because if, even if you, you did give up Mitch Obi in a pick, right? That's, that's the rumor. Like that would have to happen. That That's what the, the whispers right now, right? You still have a lot of picks. You still have quickly. You still have RJ. You still have a, a bunch of your own picks and, and everybody else's. I think you still have a Charlotte pick. You still have the 23 Mavericks pick. Like you still have a bunch of picks, right? So you have plenty to make a second move happen. If another star becomes available. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you want to do that now or soon on the deer and Fox thing, sure. But even then, right, if you do move for Fox and let's say you somehow were able to keep RJ and include a bunch of draft picks, but, you know, people might get mad at the next part here, but okay, maybe there's a world where you could have Fox Turner and then RJ, you can dangle a little bit in a, in a Donovan Mitchell thing and go, Hey, we have our remaining picks, whatever. And, and draft, you know, Grimes, Deuce, whoever that are still on board and, Here's our, I mean, that's, that's the best package we have remaining. Like it, it, my point is, I think we have more than we're giving ourselves credit for in terms of being able to work with stuff. I, I don't think Turner, I'm not saying Turner's like some slam dunk end all move. You do that. That's it. You don't got to worry about nothing, but I do think it's just step one. Like you, it's, it's one move you do to marginally improve in a season where you need to marginally improve. Cause the whole goal was to get back to the playoffs and advance. Right. And, and build off last season's success you'd be able to solidify that center position with somebody who's got more offensive upside than Mitch Noel, pretty much anyone on the roster, not named Obi, Right. And I, I think you're in a decent spot after that asset wise to keep moving and shaking. 
I think he, that's why I'm, I'm more into the Turner trade because I don't think it costs that much. And I know people like Obi right now, and I get that because I like Obi right now, but they're going to want somebody that's somewhat exciting, somebody that you could act, you see something in. And Mitch, I don't think, I don't think they do. I think Mitch is like, okay, we have a, a solid starting center that comes back. We fill that replacement for Turner. He's young. We could sell that for a bit. And then you have Obi's like, like the flair, and then we get a pick. To me, like it, it's pretty, it's pretty fair. Like it, it really. What is. Do you, my my question to you, my bad to interrupt you. Yeah. But what do you think Miles Turner's market is? Because they've been trying to trade Miles Turner for five years. So I'm not giving them Obi Toppin. Like you know, I, all of just because you said now, oh yeah, we're really trading him. Like okay, you've been trying to trade this guy for years. Why do it I have to give Obi? Well, take this, been- take this solid starting center. Here you go. Here's a first round pick, maybe, and here's like a young player or something. You get Obi Toppin from this. You don't. You've been trying to trade this guy for five years. Why am I going to bail you out and trade you my top 10 pick from last year and improved a whole lot this year and is only playing 16 minutes a game? I haven't even seen what this can do yet. We can trade Obi from Miles Turner as part of a throw-in and as part of a sweetener in a deal, like as a larger part of a package, and look stupid by the end of the year. I think, well, if my opinion on that is I think because before he had more years left on his current contract, which was more reasonable, and they probably wanted to get something more substantial back. And now they know he's going to be due for an extension and to get paid. So they're just more trying to move off of him and get whatever they can get right now at that point. I think that's why they're more publicly open to it. That That's all that I'm saying. And, and to that point, that's why I would be interested because it's like we were going to have to pay Mitch anyway, right, if we wanted to keep him. Mitch was – he wasn't going to make $1 million every year like he has on that terrible contract his agents got for him. He was he just wasn't. He was going to get some kind of a payday. I'm not. I never thought it was going to be nuts. I thought it was going to some be somewhere around forty million. That that's my long time number, give or take a little bit, depending on how good he was playing. He was going to make thereabouts of ten million a year, right? So you're still going to have to pay him. So we're still in a position where we just paid Noel thirty million dollars. I, I don't think it's unreasonable if you can try to get Noel off the books or, or, or move Mitch, not have to pay him to then pay Miles Turner. I, I wouldn't want to pay him crazy money. I'm not trying to say... No, 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 my bad. When I say his market, I don't mean his market trades. I mean his market trade-wise. What are people trying to trade Indiana? I mean, we, we have we, to throw in Obi. I don't I don't think anybody... The people have... Nobody's been lining up at their door for years. Right. What, but, what, but tra- what trade package are we beating by adding Obi? And honestly, I don't know what other trade packages look like yet because this is all very fresh and new in terms of him being on this year's current trade market. But in years past, in terms of them trying to move him, I think they were probably asking for a lot more, is my point. I think they were probably like, oh, we want multiple picks and whatever, whatever, because this is a three-point shooting DPOI type guy and you know how teams are with their guys like that. That's what I think was happening, why nobody bit, because to your point, I don't think he's some monster big franchise changing guy i think he helps you take an intermediate type step and i think for what they were asking for it probably wasn't going to happen i'm curious to see what the what teams are going to offer him now because the the issue here is there's got to be an area like teams are not going to offer any package close to resembling kemba noel knox and a pick so that's a crazy package so it's going to be closer to something where it's like a mitch and obi and a pick right so for us to be competitive, if we wanted him in this current climate, I'm imagining it's got to be something close to that. Maybe it isn't exactly that. Maybe they do love Mitchell Robinson. And I, I don't think that the sec. I agree with the first party statement. Kemba Knox Noel is a terrible package. Nobody cares about that. 
I don't know how many teams are offering a package like Mitch Obi in a pick. I don't think so. for Miles Turner, I don't think so. How many teams are offering a, a, a starting at 23 years old, uh, a top 10 pick from last year, and a first round pick for Miles Turner, who has been on a trade block for four years, who's averaged 12, 12 and six? Who, how many What What team? What team is looking for a center right now and is about to say, okay, we're going to give you. So, no. So would you do so? Okay. So then would you do something like Mitch Grimes in a pick? It would hurt, but I would do it. Because like that, that's the, and this is my point. I mean, I'm not just hell bent on the Obi. I think Obi's the thing that would get it done. Like, and, and be most fair, but it, like I'm open to, as you know, you got guys on the end of the bench that you just drafted. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can and should move them. I don't think those guys have no value just because you haven't played them. I think they have less than they did before you made the pick, but teams could still be interested in Deuce McBride. I don't think he's got no value. Teams should be interested in the Grimes. I don't think he has no value. If you could package a couple of those guys to maybe replace the OB in the deal, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world either considering they're never going to play here. So, like, I, I'm open to anything. It's just I want us to think, you know, we have – more to work with and be creative with these packages, whether you want to do mm-hmm. it for, for miles Turner or you want to save Obi and maybe throw him to Sacramento and try to get the Kings to pull the, I, I do personally actually think that makes more sense. So I do agree with you. It's just the sense of we are going to have to give up some of the first round picks that we've drafted, whether it's quickly or Obi or Grimes or deuce, these guys are going to be on the move. If we want to make an upgrade here with a Fox or a Turner or whoever it would be this season, I'm saying. So because I'm kind of with you. I, I like, for example, it, it might really just be they keep Sabonis in, in Indy, and they move Turner, they they move some of those other pieces of Avert, everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. So then, why would they really need an Obi? Obi would be in the same position here. So, so yeah, it makes some sense. But in that case, I'd be like, hey, that's fine. But we got other we got other rookies here, man. There, there, there's some decent stuff here if you're interested in a full on rebuild, not just reclamation projects like a Knox. They're not going to be interested in that. But yeah, Grimes not getting no burn here. For whatever reason, he should. I agree with you. Of course, I don't want Fournier in the court, but nobody's going to trade for Fournier. So do you want Grimes? Do you want Mitch? I could throw in another rookie and I can give you a pick. Do you want Does do you anybody just want, want Alec Burks? Like, like Burks, Burks is another one. He doesn't have no value. I'm not saying a good he's, contract. He plays, he plays, he's a good player. Like, you know, take all Burks. player. He, he rebounds, he play makes, he hits threes. I think he's shooting before last night. Anyway, he went over seven. He was shooting almost 40% from pull up threes. Uh, he was hit at a really good mark last year. He's a capable player. He's a capable shooter. And he's like a smart veteran at least. But yeah, I, I would be throwing him in there too. I mean, there, there's ways that they can be creative with the stuff that they have is all that I'm trying to say. It's not only or bust, but I would, I would do a Turner trade. I, I would find a way to get it done if possible, but I would say, mostly with you. I, I would prioritize the Fox trade. I think the Fox trade is the way to go. I think that's the smart young guard calculated high upside swing that you take and you do it in a way where I don't think you, you totally mortgage everything. I think if you put in like, you know, OB and, and OB and and quick or whatever else, and and a bunch of picks, I think you still could have more picks and and RJ, if you wanted to really get nuts and try to throw in another superstar offer somewhere down the road, I think you could do that. So, I mean, we're mostly in in agreement. It's just a matter of what we would have given up in, in the Turner deal, but even then, it's it's thereabouts. We're still sort of giving up a recent lottery or, or first round pick type plus picks. And do they like Noel or do they like Mitch? I'm assuming it's Mitch. 
So I think that that would sort of be it. That's all. Yeah, I feel better with that in the in the Kings one because it's like okay, there's gonna be a market for De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox is a high level guard, young guard. You know, get you on transition, play really great defense. I don't think there's the same market for Miles Turner, and I don't think we'd be. It almost be kind of like where we where we bid it against ourselves for Evan Fournier, and now we're just throwing the best trade package out there. Nobody else is offering anything. And I'd be mad. No, look, I I agree, and and just thinking about it out loud, like even if you don't do Turner, Fox. Fournier, unfortunately, would be in that starting lineup until proven otherwise. Good grief. Fo- yeah, I know, I know. But, fo- but Fox, Fournier, RJ, Randall, Mitch, like, even now, right? Like, I love quickly. You love quickly. The only guard that we have that can get to the actual rim, like, well and consistently is Derrick Rose. Even RJ can't get to the rim the way that Derrick Rose can and score and do the things that he can do. Immediately, if you get De'Aaron Fox, you have two guys, one on the bench and one in the starting group, that's always going to get to the rim and score whenever they want. Like, that's really valuable because now, like, this is sort of like the whole take the pressure off Julius thing. Julius can then actually play off of a guard. It's hard to play off of guards that don't move without the ball, that don't shoot well consistently, that can't create their own shots. It's hard to figure out the balance when you don't have that guy. If you don't even trade for Turner and you just make a move for Fox and you go all in and go, that's the guy. We're pushing our chips in. He needs a change of scenery. We know what he could do. He's going to be great for us here. All the opportunity to be the guard. I think that's a really sexy move, man. Everybody's saying like, oh, it's the smart move. You know, Dame is the sexy move. Fox is an equally sexy move. I think people forget that because it's Sacramento. But he's he's legitimate. He's legitimate. I love Darren Fox. He's really, I mean, I'm telling you, like the same way that we fall in love with the speed that the quickly OB unit plays off the bench, you could have the speed element with your starters. You could then have that. Like, and not for nothing, yes, OB moves better. That They move better. The, the, the pace is better when he's on the floor versus Julius because Julius, they run a lot of offense through. But if you have a Fox, we forget. Julius for a while was a really good push to transition big. They've slowed down a bit with Tibbs' current system, but – if you have another guy who could actually handle the ball and set up an offense and get the rebound and go, that does help Julius. I think we're discounting the talent level of him a little bit because of what he's been asked to do amongst a bunch of guys struggling also. And, you know, he hasn't found his own shot all that well, but over the last 10 games, he's averaging 48% from the field. He's not shooting super great from deep, but he's also taking considerably less threes and jumpers as a whole. So he has been attacking the paint much more with his shots. He's been smarter with it. And, in some of those games, he's been working better off guards, like the Chicago game, the Spurs game. So there are games where he's doing that, but guys got to be able to step up with him. When RJ plays well, Randall usually plays well too. It You got to have somebody who's going to consistently, from the point of attack, be able to work and take the pressure off him. So, I mean, for me, just to put a ball on the trade discussion, like, I agree. Look, Fox is the guy. Like, if you're targeting one guy this year, it's De'Aaron Fox. You go get De'Aaron Fox, and then you figure out, what else you have to work with? You try like hell not to include RJ in the deal. You give them everything else that they want, and you go from there. Like, to me, that's how it goes. I don't think we're going to get fleeced if you're getting a De'Aaron Fox back considering our guard situation forever here. I think that's, like, the most sensical, impactful thing that they could do would get De'Aaron Fox. Uh, yeah, if we got De'Aaron Fox, I'd get his jersey, like, immediately. And, and not, no hesitation. The, the pre-order. <laughs> the pre-order link, as soon as, as, soon as it's uh, official, I might even jump the gun. And do the custom thing ahead of, as soon as they put his number out <laughs> just to get a jump start 
I've been waiting. I've been waiting, man. And I think he knows he he wants somebody. He I think he needs a fresh start. I'm, I'm speculating, of course. I'm armchair analyzing, of course, because this is my fantasy. This is my dream. I need the Aaron Fox as a New York Nick. They tried it in Sacramento. They tried it. He gave him Buddy Hill. Buddy Hill is a tremendous three-point shooter, a tremendous three-point shooter. They've been scoring a lot for years and gotten nowhere. They have Rishon Holmes playing center, a very good center. They can't get nowhere. They drafted Halliburton, a slam dunk pick, been excellent for them. They can't get nowhere. All I'm saying is it might be time. They passed on Luca for Marvin Bagley. They deserve nothing. This is true for for all the for all the eight in slander at that time. Like the the actual issue was Marvin was Marvin Bagley. That was the, <laughs> he stings. He's so bad. He's so bad. He's so lost. He had no effort most nights. I I don't. He's a joyless basketball player for me. He really is. I I like watching the Kings a lot because of Fox and some of these other guys. But generally, like for me, they're they've always been a fun league pass team. He's like past five six years, and whenever Bagley's in, it's just like it sucks the fun out of the room. <laughs> but but yeah so that, look that's basically all I got I mean uh, anything else pressing here on your mind I know we covered the recent stretch we covered uh, all this trade chatter this week there was an awful lot of it I know tomorrow who do they play tomorrow they, they, we got a matinee tomorrow that's a great question play, oh Bucks Bucks at the Garden tomorrow Oof. oh goodness I'm tired <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm going to say the same shit I said when we did the pod before the Lakers game, even though the Lakers aren't on the level of the Bucks at all. Some, sometimes you gotta you gotta be scared of the guy in the schedule. The Knicks have done a lot of uh, playing up or down the competition. I I think sometimes you gotta see the big scary Bucks come in, and Giannis is on a fucking roll right now. Oh my li- goodness! Like like a like a Shaq type dominant role right now. Every time you look up at the box score, it's like forty plus, seventeen rebounds, five blocks, nine assists. Every night, like it's just like yo, you can't have a career night every night, bro. This is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, man. I mean, but at least we know we know Julius will show up. So that's my thing. You know, I know you put the cape on for Julius, and you know, I, I I put the cape on for RJ. I put the cape I put the cape on for Knicks in general a lot of times until I until I take it off. When I take the cape off, I fully take it off. But you know, sure. <laughs> Julius, you know, I feel like he raises. We play up and down levels of competition, and I feel like Julius has certain matchups he takes personally, or like certain matchups that like I can I can see when this game means a lot to Julius, and I don't like that. I don't like that. It's a good point. I want I want every game to mean a lot to you. You should look like this every night. So, you know, he's going to come out tomorrow. He's going to be fired up. He's going to take that Giannis matchup seriously. He's going to do his, like, with Julius defending Kevin Durant, if we got that Julius every single night, we'd be, like, the third seed at the very least. That was nuts. And Kevin Durant closed us out because he's Kevin Durant. But Julius, is, his effort level, he was at, making the right rotations, having a hand up, getting fighting through screens, everything. He was everywhere. I need that every night because the effort is non-negotiable. Your shot may not be falling cool, whatever. Some people think he takes too many shots. Some people think he's not shooting enough, blah, blah, blah. Get that effort. That's all I'm talking about is effort. And that should show up every night. It shouldn't be like, oh, yeah, here we go. He wants this one tonight. You should want everyone every night. We suck right now. We've lost five out of six. Air doesn't taste as good. Show up every night. Yeah, no, look, I mean, at the end of the day, too, with the Julius thing, I'm never trying to absolve him of ball blame. I think it's just every time I come on here, 
It's after a week of reading trade Julius, bench Julius, like the extreme stuff. So I come on. Yeah, no, people kill him too much. So, so I, so I, I am also going to extreme in the opposite direction. He doesn't got to play better. At the end of the day, you are still the star of this team. You are still the number one on this team. And I understand that you aren't getting enough help most nights consistently from most of the, your starting group that's been – when everybody talks about the starting group issues, it's the same shit I said at the beginning of the season when Kemba was there. There's enough blame to go around. If the starting group is getting shellacked every single time, it's never just one guy. So they all got to play better. But Julius, to me, has just got to find the right balance between his attacking and his passing because he's – super passive sometimes like he's been recently and then he's super aggressive sometimes and i think just figuring out and it might, again it might just be early season stuff still and i, I don't think we're I, we're sort of getting towards mid-season so it's not really an excuse anymore but you got to figure out when when to make that shit shake i think in terms of picking his spots with scoring i think he's been better in terms of making sure it's inside the paint getting towards the basket versus settling but at the same time now there's stretches where he's not just shooting enough to me. I'm not saying go ISO mm-hmm. Randall, go nuts, but there's some times when he's turning down open jumpers because he's trying to get somebody else involved. They're doing a swing pass to some, if he's already open, I mean, there's times when he makes the right swing pass, but there's times also when he's just open and he's moving the ball to move the ball. You know, I don't know if he, he hears the I'm selfish stuff and then wants to just show that he's not, but at the end of the day, you are still, they, it's tough with him to have the conversation because they ask him to be the, the top scorer. They also ask him to be the top facilitator and then finding the balance when things look gross is sometimes confusing, but it's his job being the highest paid player on the team, the best player on the team to figure that balance out and go to it every night. It just is. That's how the NBA works. I say it all the time. Julius is not absolved. It's a results oriented business. And if you're not getting the results that you should be most nights, then you, you got to look yourself in the mirror too. Uh, it's not some big bad thing because I do think it's a little too extreme, even with the effort stuff. Like he still is averaging double digit boards. I think that the defense, I don't think is that bad. Most nights I do agree that in stretches, he has lulls or falls asleep uh, or it's always like one bad stretch or like he does, like he plays a good game and then he has like two turnovers in a minute. And then everyone's like, Oh, see, here we go. So, but like, you can't do that either. Like you can't. And he, he, he takes too many plays off. He takes too many plays off on defense and he wasn't doing that last year. It's way too often now. I'll see him not make a rotation, not even making it against the Nuggets. He was just looking at Zeke Naji, like he oh, was looking on. at him. Hold on. So I do want to bring the Nuggets game. Now that we this is this is going to be the ending argument because while I agree with you in terms of he does take some plays off, so I'm not trying to disagree with the whole point. But that game specifically, we went back and looked at the tracking data, and he was not responsible for a lot of those threes. A lot of those threes were missed rotations from the guards up top or the wings up top. And we have to also understand that the way that their scheme works is always that they have him hedging to go to the paint all the time. Like options one, two, and three is Julie stays home near the paint. Guys get destroyed on screens on defense, and then it leaves the bigs to scramble out. And this is the disconnect with the team this year. So I don't, I don't necessarily think he's taking plays off. And I think too many of those threes get attributed to he didn't go to the corner or he didn't get to the wing in time because the schematically he's not supposed to be. Tibbs has them protect. This is both sides of the ball. Whoever the other opposite side on the block, they have them. Everybody stays home until it's a scramble. But specifically with the Nuggets game, we went back and it was like, of all the threes he hit, I think only like two ended up being on Julius the entire game in terms of the actual tracking data. 
So I do want to make a stipulation. I do think like sometimes we see one or two plays and assume, oh, this guy only went off on Julius. Because, for example, I had a close personal friend who I won't name but will know immediately that I'm talking about him. Texted me and said, all the threes, all the points from uh, Najee were, were Julius's fault. So that prompted us to go back and look at the tracking data, and it was not the case. So he does take plays off. I'm not disagreeing with you. He should get out on those one to two even that are his fault. I agree with you. But it's not. Yeah, it's not all all the time. I'd like us I'm, to just I'm, context it the right way. That's fair. Because I'm not even saying it's all, but it's like even the one or two is just egregious. Because like on the one or two, I watched him make a decision not to close out. That's what bothers me. Like it's like eh, I'm not going out there. But and like yo, this guy's this guy's on fire. He's cashing them. But I also I blame the scheme as well, like offensively and defensively. I don't understand when we're gonna learn from it. Or what, because what we, I, I clipped it. I wasn't even on clips yesterday. And I just made the clip because it pissed me off so much. I was like, I have to show the visual for what I'm talking about because it's been happening all year. We, like, uh, uh, Pascal was driving. I think it was Pascal. Alec Burks converges in from the corner on, on the baseline, leaving, I believe, Fred Van Vliet in the corner. He's supposedly stopping the ball, but he's not really stopping the ball. He's just stepping in because that's the rotation. And now he's at the block. And Pascal kicks it out to Fred VanVleet. You, there's the ball moves faster than a man. You are never gonna get to that. You are maybe Mitchell Robinson, but outside of Mitchell Robinson, you are never gonna get to that when you're at the block and they kick it out to the corner. So basically, when we do that, we are literally sacrificing that shot. Noel was in the paint. Julius could have stepped over and covered for Noel. Like those are the rotations you make. You don't leave the pass one pass away for the spray. Like we we keep killing ourselves like that. We're giving up so many threes. We're just like. And Alec Burks contributed nothing. And that wasn't Alec Burks' fault necessarily because clearly it's the scheme. We do it all year and everybody does it. But when we crash in from the corner like that, that man rarely ever has an impact on stopping the ball or whatever he's trying. You're at the baseline, bro. You're not stopping the ball from the baseline. He's already at the basket if he's here. Like, it's really frustrating. We keep doing it and we're giving up wide open threes and just hoping people miss them and they're not missing. One thing that I do wonder too with the scheme is if they're just, you know, Nobody likes to hear this, but teams always leave certain guys open by design. Like it's in the game plan. Like, Oh, so-and-so takes a three certain guys are just not worried about. And I do wonder how much of that factors. And I'm saying that because I think it wrongfully factors. If it is on top of the scheme already being wrong now, but they need to invert it because we've talked about that at length about protecting the paint versus three point line. But also to your point, yeah, like it doesn't matter if schematically you're supposed to leave a guy open or not. If he's, just fucking drilling, drilling off his threes. <laughs> Immediately, the game plan needs to change, and you need to get out and cl- that, that's how basketball works. The on fire guy, you need to you need to go cover. So, like that, that's another thing I've considered too. Because I'm like, on top of it, they always rotate at the same time to the corners because they're trying to protect the paint more. So, fine, that's annoying, but I get that Tibbs isn't going to change that, even though he needs to change that yesterday, a week ago, a month ago. But are they also on top of that going? Hmm. We're not going to get out on that guy because that would frustrate me even further because yeah, it, it, then is it either way you, you slice it up. If it's a lack of effort for not getting out there is a problem. And if you're already getting out there late because of the scheme, and then it's a guy that you in your game plan and thought, Oh, we could leave him open. It, it's another definite problem. And it sort of it accentuates my frustrations a bit because it's, it doesn't, it, cause to me, it doesn't matter who anymore. At first, no. it was the first 5, 10, 15 games. Now it's 20 games. Now it's every game. Every team has the same strategy. It's the same strategy to get the same shots, and they always get them, and they always make them. 
So at some point, you got to look yourself in the mirror and go, okay, our scheme is not working. Our game planning is not working. Our effort is not working in the way that we're trying to do this scheme at the least. So something's got to change, whether it's schematically, effort-wise, all those things. Like that's that's going to be the Achilles heel of this team. The point of attack defense thinks while you're also willingly allowing threes is like nuts to me. Like you know you're bad Crazy. at point of attack. You're allowing teams to funnel in whatever threes they want, and you think because oh I protected the rim we played good defense that night. It's not how it works in 2021 with with NBA basketball. It's just not. And and that's that to me is the biggest disappointing thing. And on that note, because we got some sort of questions about it. We do got to do our mailbag real quickly. It wasn't all questions today. I also asked for, for rants and commentary. But the first one that I want to read on that note was from uh, at Sloth Manifesto. Tibbs isn't the guy. I've grown tired of his stubbornness. That's not even the word, though. He's not putting the players the team needs in a position to win and succeed. He's not it. This is very year two Tibbs vibes is, is a common phrase that we hear. So, I mean, what, what is your take on that? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm a very, I, I always say inability of relation equal failure to understand. I'm not at the point where I'm out on Tibbs, but I can see how somebody who wasn't fond of Tibbs, like Tibbs is pissing me off. So if you already weren't fond of Tibbs, I could see how you feel. And if you're reading the right angle, he is stubborn, he, but he has grown in certain areas. He, he made lineup changes this year. He's done certain, but the fact that Obi's not playing, Always only playing 16 minutes a game still. Hopefully, like I said, a lot will be made for me. I'm probably going to agree with Sloth Manifesto if Obi's not playing more minutes over the next week because it's just like certain things are just too loud. You have to make that change. If, if you're not open to change and adapt, then I, I I fully understand the frustration. So I think it's an overreaction to want Tibbs fire to say he's not the guy. But there are people who have been saying he wasn't the guy. And he's showing he's playing into the reasons that they've said that. So I cannot be upset with them for having that stance. So one of the replies you got on your quote tweet to the mailbag was uh, from Archangel Ruel. I hope I didn't fuck that up. Oh, uh, Ruel. Yeah, my guy. Ruel, uh, bench the French. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yes. Yes. We are in full agreement. I don't want him to play at all, honestly. Give me Quentin Grimes. I've seen enough. I use this phrase a lot. It's getting late fast. Like, the best stretch we just saw from Fournier was before the last three games where I think five of his six games prior, he was in double digits, sort of around 15 to 20 points. Again, while playing, like, it's sort of like one game here and there, like no defense regularly, right? So that's the best offensive production you're going to get from Fournier. And he's still not going to play defense or rebound. I'm fully prepared to joke him, Noah him. Back like on some, track, we messed up. Set him down. Don't care. Like, you, that's, that's your, your poorly spent money being on the court isn't any better than your poorly spent money being on the bench. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. To me, that's the mark of a good franchise, a smart franchise, bro. Like, you should just be able to be, like, like they did with Kemba, for example. Kemba didn't even make that much money to begin with. So, like, but, but just the way that they came out and were like, hey, a lot of respect for Kemba, man, but this shit is not working. They've already publicly had Tibbs come out and do that, right? To me, there's no reason. And again, he's hinted at, like, multiple lineup changes. So, I personally 
would like to believe that Fournier is included. It's not just a Mitch thing. I know he wasn't playing well at all. This is not a Mitch defense. He was stinking it up for a while, so I understand why that move was made. And honestly, maybe it motivated him because he's been playing his ass off on the bench lately. You know, the first couple games even better, but like, I mean, even last night, I think it was four and eight off the bench with a couple blocks. Like, he's not doing nothing out there. He yeah, had he had great energy out there. He was like patrolling the paint at a point. Like, him and Obi were a great tandem. He did a great job last night. So, I mean, like, Tibbs has done two moves already. I don't think it's above him or he's not considering doing the Fournier one because we see him yell at Fournier every night. He's yelling Evan every night. You hear him on the bench going, Evan, Evan. And then also, right, last night, he didn't even play really the second half until the last couple of minutes in the fourth quarter. So, like, that's in line with he didn't play most second halves or fourth quarters for, like, a seven, eight-game stretch to start the year, right? I, Hashtag Tib- bench the French. Bench the French, man. I, Tibbs, I, Tibbs sees it. I think Tibbs has him on thin ice is, is my personal feeling. And I would like for, for Sean and I and everybody else who's now getting fed up with him to be correct about this. It seems like Fournier is on thin ice. It just does. It seems like he knows it. It seems like Tibbs knows it. And I would like for the ice to finally crack. I mean, he plays defense like there's cinder blocks attached to his feet. So the ice has to crack any minute. It, it, it simply must, Sean. If there is too much <laughs> pressure, it simply must. Um, I'd like to go to our guy now at The Real Taco, one of our loyalist uh, followers. Oh my gosh, uh, he said, what is it going to take for Chip to play the guys who deserve it and bench the guys who don't? Fournier should not be starting. Burke shouldn't be starting. We've got 36 minutes last night. Nobody should be playing upwards of 25 uh, minutes per game. Why is Julius not shooting as much? Are we ever going to see Tibbs make another adjustment so the starters actually get leads for their bench to extend? This team has, this is a three-part tweet. It was a thread. This team has no identity this year either. No suffocating defense and crazy three-point shooting. I'm assuming he means shooting aloud. Uh, no offensive explosions, nothing. And while all this is going on, we're still only three games out of the four seed. Extremely well said. There's so many issues. The sky is falling, but at the same time, the sky's not that high above us. Like, we can go get it. Like, it, like so that's why that's why it's really important to make the changes that need to be made. And I've been saying it for weeks. And now, what are we? Twelve and fourteen now. Yeah, that's twenty six games. So after tomorrow's game, it'll be twenty seven games. We will then be one third of the way during, through the season. I don't want to hear it's early anymore. And these are the same things I was saying after, like after a week or two, and like people, like, oh, it's the beginning of the season, blah blah blah. Oh, you don't, okay, like now we're one third of the way through the season. We are thirty three percent of the way through the season, almost. Like it's time. You have to make these things happen. You have to get that run, that momentum. Last year we started off eleven and fourteen, I believe. We traded for Derrick Rose, started winning some games, ended up winning nine straight. You can't bank on a nine game win streak. You have to start building momentum and winning more games than you lose now. Like from now, it's it's still attainable. Like the season's not over. This can still be a like we can still host a home court series. So we have to make those changes. We have to play Obi at least twenty. Before I was saying twenty minutes a game, I was begging for it. At this point, Obi needs to get twenty five minutes a game. There's no reason he shouldn't. Especially now. My only thing was I was like, oh, it'd be tough to start him because you know you got Mitch. You don't really. But now if if Nolan's Noel is a starter. Obi, there's minutes for Obi, clearly. Clearly. So, playing 25 minutes a game, 
play IQ 25 minutes a game, regardless of the trade talk. If, you, if you're going to trade them, whatever, trade them, do whatever you got to do. If you're not trading them, they need to be playing 25 minutes a game, 100%. Fournier shouldn't be starting. Fournier honestly shouldn't be playing. I'm not going to say Alec Burks shouldn't be starting. If you just move Fournier out and you have uh, IQ at the one and Burks at the two, I think you're more than fine. I think Burks has done a good job defensively this year. He shot the ball pretty well outside of, you know, last night's. That, that's an anomaly for him. I'm cool with anomalies. That's fine. Um, so, and then if, if he's not responsible for the create, he's not a point guard. And I know basketball is positionless now, but Alec Brooks isn't a primary creator. I don't think he's a secondary creator on a good team either. So I don't like that. We tried to make him that, uh, he played well in the stretch. You know, I think he's fine being on the floor. I just don't think he's a starting point guard. So just make these changes, make the Fournier change. Ted just shown he was open to change. That was my favorite thing about the changes he made. It wasn't even like I, I was thrilled when he benched Kemba. And it wasn't even necessarily because he benched Kemba. It's because he did something. He did something without us having to wait the entire season begging for him to do it. So now don't make me wait anymore. Get like get Fournier out of there, bro. I'm tired of it. All right, last one. We'll get out of here. Um, oh, no. I, did I read this one already? Moving Burks, Noel, and, uh, and Fournier. No, I didn't for read this. Okay. Moving Burks, Noel, and Fournier for nothing but picks and bad contracts who shouldn't play improves this team drastically. Uh, I think lumping Burks in there is a little unfair given they've had to forcibly elevate him to play, like you just pointed out, Sean, uh, a role in, in maybe minutes that you know, he shouldn't have been in. I think that's a little bit, and he's overextended is my point I, versus him not performing. I think like Noel has had issues performing consistently as Fournier has issues kind of everywhere performing consistently. So I, I, I agree with your general idea, my friend, but I, I think Lumpen Burks in there is a little bit harsh. However, I understand moving him could be on the docket. I, I think just for the idea of nothing and, you know, and bad contracts improves this team. Burks has kind of been vital in terms of having to be a stopgap band-aid at different times because guys aren't doing their jobs. So I'm not saying he's untouchable, you know, whatever, you know, can't be blamed for stuff. I just think lumping him with those other two is kind of unfair because those two not being worth the money that we paid them so far is sort of a bigger issue. I agree with that. Yeah, Burks doesn't necessarily lump in with that, but I also see where he's coming from um, because I, I I really love when Quentin, when Quentin Grimes is on court. I do. I love the energy we play with. I love when Jericho Sims is out there. When Obi, I, so the, that that's basically what I was saying. Like moving these guys out of the way who are kind of stopgaps and who are you know who we paid to be vets here, and just letting the young guys play and the energy that the young guys play with would make this a better team. But yeah, I also agree that Burks is kind of lumped in there where he shouldn't be. Yeah, so that's going to be our time for today. Uh, like you know, good, good catch up pod, good catch up pod, and you know hopefully. Hopefully we can stop talking about losses and issues, man. I would like to go back to last season when we're talking about fun basketball happening. And, you know, again, the beginning of the season, I wasn't trying to be angry about stuff or have issues with lots of things because I was willing to see, remember, I, I didn't like the Fournier signing at all, but I was willing to oh. see how things went. I, I didn't do that much complaining to start the year because it was still early, but we're, we're sort of getting to that 30 game mark now and getting towards the halfway point in the season. And, I mean, now now's the time to, you know, be troubled deeply by things that are happening on the court. And uh, I, I'm, start, I'm starting to get there. So hopefully we can stop losing five out of six games and, and start winning five out of six games to kind of get back on track a little bit and have, have some fun with those conversations. Uh, obviously, the pod is more fun when we have different things to talk about versus the same issues every week. And 
you know, I understand why that's disappointing for people. It's disappointing for us. We would like to talk about different stuff. Uh, I mean, RJ playing better recently, for example, is fun, but it's got to translate to wins. He's got to do it consistently. He's got to shoot the ball better still. So, I mean, baby steps. Hopefully they keep getting out of it. Um, you know, I've seen some things that identity, like, like I said at the beginning, I, I wasn't all doom and gloom after last night because if like anyone else scores one basket that they should have, like Burks or, you know, somebody else, they probably win that game. So with the defense that they played, so at least the defense was better. It was like, I, I hate to be silver lining guy, but that, that's kind of what, what my takeaway was when I woke up. But yeah, I mean, hopefully we get back. If to you're a silver lining guy, it's dark outside. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so, like i don't i don't even recognize myself sometimes when i log on to twitter on the pod anymore i'm just like this, this is not who i am this is not the angry guy that you've all grown accustomed to, to seeing all the time you know it's like i i gotta get myself up to being angry it, like i used to have no problem with it and then i wake up and i'm like yeah they played pretty, pretty good defense last night i don't know <laughs> a couple baskets they win that game we feel differently we say wow what a good defensive performance and then then I have to like shake myself out of it too. Cause it's like, I, I feel gross doing it, but you know, it is, it is what it is. But look, we appreciate you guys following. We just got the 41,000 on Twitter. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, always appreciate you guys. We had the best followers in the world as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that's why we go crazy tweeting as often as we do is because you guys are always right there with us, replying, commenting, uh, commiserating with us as a whole during this type of stretch. So appreciate it as always. Keep following uh, at the next wall. Make sure you subscribe to this pod. Give us a five-star rating and review. Uh, we appreciate everybody who's been giving us their hard-earned dollars for our merchandise. Uh, it's not unnoticed. Uh, we have a lot of good stuff for you guys, and I understand that when the team is losing, it's hard to spend money on T-shirts and things. So, you know, but I got to at least throw it out there. Uh, we we will have our Christmas sale. It, it's I think everything is still 20% off. Use code TKW20. I left that Black Friday sale up. Um, so you guys came out, you know, supported us then if you, if you want to get some gifts ahead of time now, I think things are a little bit easier with shipping at the moment. Still not great. Still not as fast as it was, but that's not really a vendor or our issue. Unfortunately, that's a global U S shipping issue that we're still struggling with as a, as a people collectively, it seems like. So just know that when you go to place your orders, that things might take a little bit longer, but feel free to pay for a little bit of extra shipping with the money that you are now saving from the sale. That's why I'm trying to leave it up and just make that the regular price for the time being, because it's unfortunate for everybody. Um, so again, use code TKW20 at designtree.com slash the next wall, get some shirts, get some gifts, uh, have some fun there. And we will talk to you guys next week. Hopefully uh, we get a W tomorrow against these Milwaukee bucks. It's a matinee game. Those always seem to be a terror for us at this point, but you know, let's just hope for a not rock fight Sunday game. That's all I got to say. Let's go next. Let's go next. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. Take it easy. Adios.